you hadn't been to prison, I would not date you. That was one of my, <laughs> that was one of my rules. That's, That's not so a good bad. rule. That's a bad rule. And one day he said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to need your help. He broke it down. He's like, I need you to do this, this, and this to aid an escape. And I'm like, ooh. Wow. Yeah. Oh, in love. I needed Alon wrenches, a hands-free headset so I can be on the phone while I'm doing whatever I'm doing. I didn't look into it as, as deeply as I maybe should have, but apparently, you know, assisting escape is frowned upon. You got the stuff. You got drive the stuff. there. I hopped in my car and I drove straight to the prison. I remember him telling me, like, with his Louisiana accent, like, just belly crawl on your stomach like an alligator. You walked up to the fence in sight of the tower. You Both throw fences. it over the fence. It was two fences. He drugged one guard and stole the keys. Like, he drugged he, the guard? He used oranges to get one door, like, remove a, a door. Whenever I was cutting through the fences, I would have to cut through not one, but two fences. So I actually broke into the prison to get him out. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm here with Danica Darling, and we are going to be hearing her story. I've read a couple articles. Basically, she ended up, she basically broke her boyfriend out of prison. It's a funny, it's kind of a funny story. It's interesting. So check out the interview. All right. So I read the article. Before we get to that, let's start, you know, at the beginning, like, where were you born? Okay, so I was born in Palm Beach and like, you know, Southern Florida, but I, I say that my hometown's Panama City because that's where I was raised. I've lived here my whole life. So I'm pretty much, you know, from Panama City. But so yeah, I think that Panama City is associated with, you know, like the tourist town. That's where everyone goes on spring break. And it's just with Club La Vila and MTV and all that stuff. It's just like a destination for like excitement and partying and just my parents worked at Club La Vila on the beach for nine years throughout my childhood and or in some way around the tourist industry. So I was around a lot of that commotion and the hustle and bustle and the, the fast pace of, you know, people wanting to party. And it's more of a family place now. But back then, whenever I was a child, it was definitely a party atmosphere where celebrities would be coming to visit and, you know, just a lot going on. I have my dad and my stepmom, who my dad's been with pretty much my whole life. And they worked really hard to make ends meet and put food on the table. And so they really didn't supervise me and my sister. Have, my sister, she's 18 months older than me. So yeah, we kind of just fended for ourselves and just were kind of left to our own just to do whatever we wanted to do. And that's how my dad parented. Did you, and you went to school in Panama City also? Yes. I I wasn't a bad student, but it was hard to keep my attention in school. If I was interested in it, I can make good grades. What I was interested in is finding ways to make shortcuts with tests and like cheat sheets. Like that's where my I feel like my criminal activity started was finding out my own way to get by undetected. Like I felt like I'm smart. I'm getting away with something. This is awesome. I don't have to study. You know, I was the kid doing the homework on the school bus on the way to school, printing right. out every, you know, like copying the every other answers in the back of the book. Like, why would I sit for hours slaving over my textbooks the night before whenever the answers are in the back? I can do it on the way to school. You know what I mean? Like, it just didn't make sense to me to yeah, make I read, things I was 
say I read an article about a guy one time and his teacher, they spoke with his teacher, one of his high school teachers, and he said he'd spend more time trying to figure out how to cheat on a test than to actually just study. Yeah, yeah. And I can't take credit, but I, I remember whenever we got to high school, someone actually went as far as putting like vocabulary words on CDs. And so we were allowed in English to listen to our little, whenever we had those compact CD players, it's like, kids would be like, what is that? Like, like, and like, we, like, we, you know, we laugh at Walkmans or whatever. And now like CD players, that's funny. It's like a thing of the past, but they would put the answers on the CD and they would have it in the CD listening to the answers. And I thought that was just a brilliant, I couldn't believe it, but I wish I would have thought of that. But yeah, I thought that was great. So yeah, if I ever wanted to go do something, like I would get in good with certain teachers that would allow it and like negotiate me leaving early or not making it. And then I would do like, you know, like I, I did like a mural and like I got on her good side, my Latin teacher. And so I just, we had an understanding and she let me get by with a lot of stuff, but I also pitched in, you know what I mean? Did you and your sister both go to the same high school? We did, but my sister, okay, so my sister is has been in and out of trouble and in the, the criminal activity as well in a different, different realms. We haven't, we, you know, we fight like cats and dogs, although we're very close these days. We figured out, you know, how to deal with each other in a more mature way these days. Although we were only 18 months apart, she was two grades ahead of me. So she was, it seemed like way older than me back then. You know, whenever we were younger, it's like, oh my God, two grades older. They're like so old. They're so cool. And they're so much older. Like, wow. You know what I mean? And now it's like, consider that like your same age. So that's funny to think about. But yeah, she had already been suspended and was going to alternative school by the time I got to high school. So she was like in and out of trouble. Like, you know, she caused a lot of ruckus. What, and I kind of, what, what, what did she well, do? She, what was she in trouble? I, it must've been something like fighting or having like weed or just, you know, getting messed up on camp. It might've been something with weed or fighting. She was just, she's quick to fight. She's got a temper on her and she'll, she's quick to fight. Yes. And that definitely taught me. I'm not, I'm not a fighter, but I'm not just going to let myself get beat up, you know? So yeah. So she, I grew up with her, you know, I don't know if I, if I feel weird cussing, but you know, she's just whooping my ass. I grew up with her whooping my ass. And then finally, whenever I could whip her ass, she was like, Oh, you know, she, <laughs> I remember the one fight that just, showed her okay this is a line don't cross it you know and it's it's never been the, and she knows now you know so that's funny to me but so yeah. did you graduate high school did you get did you get um, in trouble in high school just graduate did you so here's the thing i didn't get in trouble or cause problems i didn't break my parents rules or you know i i followed their rules but here's the here's the rule okay if you are going to be out past 11 don't come home but call me and let me know where you are so why would I sneak out whenever I just have to either be home before 11 or don't come home? Why would I break that? You know what I mean? Like I never was lying and sneaking out and like arguing with my parents, but I was definitely partying and doing things that I had no business doing. But I remember rolling, I had pre-rolled joints that I would sell and I would have like, I would have the math in my head, like, okay, I'm going to buy my pack of black and milds and then my, my bottle of whiskey for the weekend. And I just had like, this system going, you know what I mean? How and, old um, were you? Whenever I was like 15, I had, you know, I was hustling. I would just find ways, you know, and I actually would do things that weren't illegal. Like I would like stress girls jeans, you know, it was popular to have like ripped up jeans and I would like 
take their jeans home and stress them for them because I'd wear them to school and girls would ask me about them. So I would do that for money, but I would just figure out ways to have what I needed. And um, at 15, I started actually working and I thought I knew everything. You know, we know everything whenever we're teenagers. And I'm like, why would I spend time in school whenever I could be out here making more money? Like, what? This is a waste of my time. What do you mean? <laughs> so I, I convinced my dad to let me drop out and did online school until I was old enough to get my GED at 16. And so whenever so, I turned six, go ahead. Well, oh, go ahead. You said you turned oh, 16. Well, whenever you have your GED, you can legally work full time. So that okay. was exciting. Yeah. So getting the clearance to work full time with my, you know, the places I was working, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I can make even more money, you know? So that was really, I just became a workaholic at a young age. And I just, I thought this minimum wage was just, I thought it was where it was at. You know what I mean? I thought I was making so much money. It's funny to look back, but you know, I had, a, I was, you know, catching on to something like the work ethic, you know what I mean? Like generating this money. Like I, I never knew I could make this money, but you know, so I just, having that taste, it made me, it gave me that, that drive. And I'd never felt that before with anything besides, you know, like a couple, you know, little extracurricular activities, but the making money was whenever I was like, wow, I can do this. How long did you work before? Did you ever get in trouble? Did you ever... So here's the thing with my sister, my sister, she was a teen mother. She got pregnant at 16 and she had her baby at 17, but she, whenever she moved out of the house with her boyfriend, her house became the party house. So, you know, you know, backtrack my parents, there was a lot of arguing, a lot of screaming and yelling, a lot of, you know, just issues in the home. And it was, it was just a toxic place. It was, it was not a good place to be. So we, we wanted to get out of there. And, and I love my parents. I mean, God bless them. They're amazing people, but everybody, you know, couples have their issues and they were very much younger then. And, and it wasn't the best environment. You know, it was a lot of stress. Hanging out at my sister's house at the party house. Who are we going to be hanging out with? We're going to be hanging out with other kids that dropped out, right? Right. Because everyone else is in school. A lot of college so, students aren't hanging out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just became a norm, you know, and it wasn't like we were doing hard drugs or anything, but it's like drinking, smoking weed, you know, everyday cigarettes. Oh, I thought it was so cool. You couldn't tell me nothing. Like, I just thought, <laughs> I can't believe I used to smoke cigarettes, but I just thought I, was, I started with black and milds and I just thought I was so cool. Mm -mm -mm. I'm going to have to continuously laugh at things that I used to love and get excited about because it's just crazy how much you can change you know what I mean things yeah. that we used to do and things that used to excite us and we just thought that was the best it's such a good idea at the time you know what I mean like it seemed like such a such yeah, I've a had idea. many moments like that <laughs> so yeah naturally if I'm hanging out with other kids that have dropped out and you know they're probably in broken homes too and you know probably have you know traumas and other issues and stuff like that. And they get into gang activity and, and criminal life and stuff like that. So it's just kind of was like an organic snowball. You know what I mean? So I actually started date. I, I was like full blown partying, hustling. By the time I was 16, I was like, I was like a, like on Coke and hustling Coke, like to the Hooters girls as a Hooters hostess. Like I was the plug, you know what I mean? I was like the girl that they went to a lot of them and like other jobs. It was it was crazy, but I, I thought that it was funny that the older people were coming to me, you know, and, but yeah, that was, how long did that go on? Let's see, probably, I want to say about a good year and a half, good solid year and a half. 
I remember, I, I feel bad saying this stuff, but whenever I, whenever the dude, he, he took the eight ball that I, my first eight ball that I got to make profit with, not just to party with, but I remember he showed me how to calibrate the scales and weigh it. And he said, you see this? I'm going to give this to you. I don't care what you do with this. I don't care if you do it all. I don't care if you lose it. I don't care if you throw it out the window as soon as you pull off. He said, but you better come back with such and such amount of money. And it scared me, but it excited me. I was like, right. oh, I can do that. And I can have more for myself. And I can charge whatever I, what? Ooh, I think I can do this. And so I thought, okay, this is, I got the plan. I'm the girl that's, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, I got it, I got it. Because people were like, when people were like, ex, you know, exploring and experimenting on the weekends at like house parties, like, oh, do you want to try some Coke? Do you know who can get it? You know what I mean? Like people are like asking around, they're wanting to try it out, you know, just being, it's a lot of t teenagers, they do, they want to at least try it, see what it's about. Well, but, um, I was going to say, it's, it's funny how many people start off selling a little bit here and a little bit there just so that they can have, get their stuff for free. <laughs> And before you know it, they're a full-blown drug dealer. And they, you know, then they get to the point where they realize, you know what, I'm like, I'm getting what I need and I'm getting a little extra. If I pushed a little bit harder, I don't really have to have a job. Like at this point, I've been doing this for six months. Yeah. You know? Working is and, and I've got plenty of people asking me for it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I make a little bit of effort, this can be my full-time job. I've taught every, almost every drug dealer I've spoken to has, that's how they started. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually it's like, it pays the bills, you know, you, you get the wholesale prices, it pays for itself tenfold, it sells itself. It, it just makes sense at the time, right? right. <laughs> you can't distribute this toxic substance that's destroying people's lives. It's going to, you're going to have to go down for it. You're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay your taxes or you're going to have to pay with time one or the other. After 18 months, what happened? Whenever I got into the the serious relationship, the first like toxic, like hustler type of guy that I ended up moving out and like living with that really put me in the game, you know, he like kind of like molded my mind in a more criminal way. And I was so in love, you know, you know how that goes. But so I was 19 years old. How old were you? 19. 19. Okay. Yes. And I was so in love and me and my mom had an argument about him and she was saying something that I'm sure was very much true about, you know, have no business around him. He's, yeah. you know, he's trash. He's going to get you in trouble. You know what I mean? Just, she was telling me everything that was true, but. And oh, you were I, saying, yeah, that was a love you don't know him. Yes. He's not oh like God. that. Yes. I'm a hopeless romantic. Okay. Through and through. And the more toxic they are, I'm like, bring them here. You just, okay. So anyway, when my mom was talking bad about him, me defending him, okay, if there was any type of like going against anything that my mother said, she was very, she can be very combative and very much, you know, I don't want to talk bad about my stepmom, but it's very much so like, don't go against anything she says. Don't even look at her wrong or else you're out. You know what I mean? That's right. how it is. And so I had been thrown out multiple times since the age of 16 and that was really stressful. And so I knew that like, okay, she's not going to play like it's, you want to go against what she says, you better start packing your bags. And I had had enough. I was getting ready to move out anyways, you know? And, and so I was like, you know, well, screw it. Let me just go ahead and tell her what I think. And, and I knew everything. So I just went ahead and was like, okay, this is my, this is my drop the mic moment. And I'll, I'm, you know, don't let the door hit me on the way out. So I, I got kicked out over defending him. And then he's like, well, why don't you just move in here? It just made sense. You know, it was like, 
we had been, you know, consistently seeing each other and it just evolved into a more serious situation. So I was 19 and he was 29. And um, yeah, at that age. Yeah, at that age. You know what I mean? We should, at that age, we should be doing very different things. And I, I, for me to be 29 and look at a 19 year old, I could never. Like, it just goes to show how like stunted his mind is or was to think that, okay, well, this is a feasible, you know, connection. This is a feasible situation to where we can make this work. Like this child, we're going to, we're going to live together and play house. Everything's going to be great, you know? And it's just like, there's, you should be doing and focusing on such different things. I was actually in school and I wanted to, I was interested in becoming a pediatrician. (laughs) Okay. And like, I, I was just doing like pursuing like a general AA and I just had like maybe a semester and a half under my belt. And I remember the day that I actually formally withdrew was the first time that my house got raided. And wait a second, wait a second. So you were living with the guy. Uh huh. What's the guy's name? Steve, Brad? Let's just call him John Doe. Okay. Well, <laughs> so you're living with John Doe. You're 19 years old. Mm-hmm. You're selling Coke to. No, this wasn't the, this wasn't Coke. This was whenever it was like the Roxy era, the pill. Okay. Era. So you're selling, you know, prescription medication mm-hmm. and your house gets raided. Did it get raided because of you or because of him? You know what? Honestly, looking back, I believe that my mother might have tipped him off. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, all, the, all we know is that it was an anonymous call. Okay. But it could be a number of people. And thank God that we didn't have anything that day. We were actually all out and we weren't hooked on anything yet. So it was like, they got like a bong, you know what I mean? Like a little bit oh, of yeah. weed. Okay. Like, it was stupid. It was pointless, but I'm so glad that there was nothing, but they still took him to jail. And I remember it was just so, oh my God, it was so like, oh my gosh. And, you know, and like going to his, Serious. going to his plug and like telling him this just happened. Like, what do I do? And I was just so naive and it's, and then it's like, okay, so you're out on bond. You have this case. You got to pay for your lawyer. You got to pay this, pay that. You got to hustle up the money, right? And so when you're trying to fight your case as a criminal, you, you can't have any run-ins with the law or else you're going back. And you, when you violate bond, you're stuck in jail, right? So it's just this constant cycle until you just finally, you can't, there's no getting out and you're just going to prison, right? So through the time of our, the scope of our relationship, we got rated three times in a year and a half. And um, yeah, he ended up, yeah, we just, <clears throat> neither of us had jobs. Well, I did for a little while, but like, you know, working is actually losing money when I could be, instead of serving tables and my habit is way more expensive than what I was making serving tables. And, but I could be driving. Cause I, I started out as a driver whenever I was 19 because I had no criminal history. And so it was perfect that I looked so innocent that they weren't going to search me if I got pulled over. Right. So I drove for the plug down to South Florida one to three times a week for a good almost two years before we we swerved the plug and our you know the person that he worked for and got his you know supplies fronted and then he'd pay him you know and then so we went around him and got to the plug for ourselves right we had a big chunk of money saved up and we were like okay we're gonna get rich and we it actually that situation worked for a little while we actually ended up living in a penthouse at a beach resort for a year so that was nice yeah just laying out every day, just doing, you no, know, I think about it. it actually worked out pretty well. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it was so great, right? 
Well, we lived there for a year when we, when we finally got raided. Yeah. We had just spent the day before. I, I want to say like maybe like 12, 12,000 12, at like 500, $500, $500 a bottle. We, we spent 12,000 the day before we got raided. So it was a pretty big, and we had a package on the way that got there after they left, but it was just, we were in deep and we were very much so hooked on, you know, our supply, which uh, it's how, just all bad. How much are you making? I mean, what are you bringing in a month or a week or however you're calculating it? You know what? He actually handled all the money. So I can't really say, I can't speak for him, but I know that he, he, he kept around $20,000 $20, in the safe and, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pills. To me, that was a lot at the time. Right. And then it's just like, oh, that's funny. You know, that I thought that was a lot because I would go on to discover, you know, well, I mean, at 19 or at 19 or 20 years old, when you're basically able to make minimum wage or slightly above minimum wage, you know, just based on an honest job, you know, that that is an accomplishment. You're doing great. You're a baller. You're living in a penthouse and you can pay your car. All you, know, you have plenty of money to go out to pay for your mm -hmm. car note. Like you didn't suddenly you're yeah, we didn't even grocery shop. We might have had Pop-Tarts in the house, but we ate out every meal. Yeah, it was just, I never checked the prices on anything. I just throw it in the cart, you know, and it, or he would gas my car up and, and buy my cigarettes and pack my cigarettes. He did everything for me. And it, he took care of me so well that I didn't understand the value of a dollar. I didn't understand how expensive things had gotten. And I remember when he got, when the house got raided this last time and he couldn't get out, I remember being surprised at how expensive things were like getting like hygienes and stuff and like, dang, this costs a, this is hard to pay for. And it just became like plush, you know? So, I don't... so he, he got raided again. Mm -hmm. How did the cops come up to you during the raid? They just knock politely on the door. I'm, you know, I'm really glad out. that you asked that because this is an interesting story. And I, you know, it, it's so cool to see people like find the loophole and find the case law to beat, you know, to, to, this average Joe is just taking down the law, like, no, unhand me, you know, let me out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> open the gates. You know, it's crazy that you can just find the case law and you're like, wait a second, y'all got caught slipping, so you have to release me, don't you? So, what's going on, YouTube? RDAP Dan here, Federal Prison Time Consulting. Hope you guys are all having a great day. If you're seeing and hearing this right now, that means you're watching Matt Cox on Inside True Crime. At the end of Matt's video, there will be a link in the description where you can book a free consultation with yours truly, RDAP Dan, where we can discuss things that could potentially mitigate your circumstances to receive the best possible outcome at sentencing or even after you started your prison sentence. Prior to sentencing, we can focus on things like your personal narrative, your character reference letters, prepping you properly for the pre-sentence interview, which is going to determine a lot of what type of sentence you receive. If you've already been sentenced, we can also focus on the residential drug abuse program, how you can knock off one year off of your sentence. Also, we have the First Step Act where you can earn FSA credits while serving your sentence. For every 30 days that you program through the FSA, you can actually knock an additional 15 days off per month. These are huge benefits, and the only way you're going to find out more is by clicking on the link, booking your free consultation today. All right, guys, see you soon at the end of the video. Peace. I'm out of here. Back to you, Matt. Okay, so what they did to get the search warrant was they did a free air sniff, right? So we had a lot of traffic in and out and he would, he would leave. It was a gated community at a beach resort. And so he would leave on bicycle and ride around all the different 
you know, the touristy areas, different locations. There was a McDonald's, there was a shopping center, there was different places, but he would try and like distribute the traffic, but there's only so much that you can do whenever you're having so many people come sometimes multiple times a day because they're have they have their own hustle going on they have their habit they need more without the pills you get sick you gotta have it you know what i'm saying it's it's crazy right so some people would be there multiple times a day and i remember in the discovery one of the suspicions was a heating and cooling air conditioning truck coming in and out they thought we were like hauling you know loads of drugs or, or whatever that was one of the suspicions or whatever but it was really just a really strung out customer <laughs> who uh, just was a little too comfortable but anyway so they did a free air sniff with a canine outside our door now keep in mind as far as i know canines can't smell pills but i guess this one could and so the canine alerted at our door and so they got a search warrant right so he ended up doing 13 months in the county jail which I, you know, I held it down for him and I was there for him and I wrote him and pictures and eye care, just everything. I just had to prove that I was Bonnie, I was Bonnie to his Clyde, right? If I could just prove to him that I loved him, then things would work out, right? I didn't know any better. That was the only love that I knew. It was like a Stockholm syndrome. But yeah, I just, I took pride in that. And I was like, yes, I'm the best girlfriend ever. And I just, I, it was my identity. So he's in jail the whole time. Yeah, okay. So yeah, he did 13 months in the county jail and he got released on, he paid, he paid an attorney. He paid an attorney, like, I think four or 5,000. And I remember him paying a thousand a week. And I couldn't believe that he could hustle up that money and pay the bills. Like, I was like, oh my God. Like, he was like scraping it up. And that was like very stressful for me to watch him do. And I tried different things to try to help, but I, I, I got a job actually dancing and I danced for four days and I could not do it. Like I didn't have the, the hustler mindset as far as that, you know, area of, you know, expertise or whatever. I could, I didn't have it. I just, right. I thought that I could just go look pretty on stage and they're going to make it rain, you know, but that wasn't the case <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Much respect to the, to the dancers, all my exotic dancers and my entertainers out there because they got it going on and they're hustling and they're getting their money and they're saving it and they're legal. They're putting it back. You know what I'm saying? Like good for them. I just didn't have it in me. Not at the time. Oh, I'll go get a job dancing baby. And I'm going to help you pay for the lawyer. You know, I had just, I had it all figured out. Right. Right. So what'd you do after that? Um, so I, I was there for him and okay. So I wasn't faithful, but I was loyal. Right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I was there for him. I had his back. I kept him in contact. Everything that you could, an inmate could receive from the outside world. He got books, photos, letters, you know, phone calls, anything that you can get, I, visitation, everything. And I was actually started smuggling in tobacco and weed for him too, through the, I would leave it in the gas flap of a work truck for the road crew and they would sneak it in. And so everything that you can, an inmate can get, I supplied everything. When you say the, the loyalty thing, I, I remember, I actually, I think I've mentioned this before on, I remember before I ever got in trouble and, you know, even though I think I was, I was already doing some fraud or at least, at least I'd done something because I just, because it was in my mind. I remember seeing a TV show from like the 1970s and this guy was getting released from prison. And, and so he's in prison when, you know, how, you know, opening credits. So the opening credits start and he's in, in his prison cell, reading a book, whatever. And he's probably 
late forties or something. So the, the prison guard comes and says, Hey, you know, you know, Johnson, pack it up. And he's like, pack it up. He's like, I, what are you talking about? They're like, you're getting released. He's like, getting released. I, I got, I got six more months. And they're like, nah, you're early release. Like we, they're releasing a bunch of people, you know, overcrowding. He's like, holy shit. So he grabs his stuff, throws his stuff together, tries to use a payphone. And I remember this is back when they had quarters and so you could just have money in prison. So it had to be in like the seventies. So he's trying to, you know, go to the payphone in the prison. And they're like, you don't have time. Get on the bus. He's like, damn it. So he gets on his bus, gets off the bus, goes to use the payphone at the bus station. Can't do it. There's a whole line. There's a, there's a taxi there. So he's like, so he jumps in the taxi and he's trying to call his wife the whole time. He's like, nah, I got to call my wife. Got to call my wife. So he gets into the taxi. Yeah, wife, I think. Pretty sure he said wife. So gets in the taxi, drives into New York City, parks in front of the building, walks in the front door, gets in the elevator, goes upstairs, walks through the hallway, goes to the front door, puts the key in, goes and opens the door, and he hears his wife say, baby, do you want some wine? And he's got the door, like, whatever, eight inches open, and he stops, and he can see some guy sitting at the table. And she walks over and the guy says, yeah, yeah, I'll take some wine. And he's like, first you see the fury in his face, right? And then he stops and he he thinks about it and he closes the door, gets in the elevator, goes downstairs, walks across the street, puts a quarter in the payphone, calls his wife and he says, hey. She's like, hey, baby, what are you doing? And he goes, wanted to let you know they released me early. I'm in the city, but I didn't want to come home in case you wanted to clean up before I got there. Mm. And she could just hear like, she's like, yeah, I, I, I do need to clean up. He goes, how long do you need? She goes, give me 20 minutes. Give me 20. Are you sure? I, I can give you more. And she's like, no, no, 20 minutes. Give me 20 minutes. And he goes, okay. And she's like, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. Hang, hangs up the phone, stands at the pay phone. 10 minutes later, his wife comes out the front door with the guy behind her and she's dragging his, his, like his suitcase, mm-hmm. drags the suitcase, throws in the back of a taxi. She's sitting there. He, he's sitting there, you know, crying and oh my gosh. And what is, what's happening? And she, you could hear her screaming from across the, <laughs> from across the street. She goes, you knew what this was. You knew he was coming home. It's mm-hmm. over. And she walks off. He waits till the taxi drives off, waits a couple minutes, goes in. Goes upstairs, goes to, knocks on the door. She opens the door, gives him a big hug, says, I've made spaghetti. I got spaghetti ready for you. He goes and sits down to get some spaghetti. And she says, would you like some wine? And he says, yeah, baby, I'll have some wine. And she walks over with the wine. And that's it. It's over. And I oh. remember watching that thinking, that's the best you've got coming. Because if you think some chick's going to wait for you for a year or two or three or 10 years, you're fucking crazy. But if she at least kind of holds you down yes. and she's there when you're out, like that's the best you've got coming. So yeah. I never, but when I got locked up, like I never really expected a chick to, you know, remain, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's the best case scenario, right? That really is. Unfortunately, you know, that, that is the best. I mean, especially with American woman, you know, or, and man in general, because listen, most guys are just, they're just, you're, they're going to be gone. Yeah. Especially with social media and everything. But if you so just have anyway, 
yeah anyway i'm sorry you were but you, you were saying <laughs> it's, important that we, it's important that we discuss these types of connections for for context right because this right. entire discussion that we're having is about you know the connection that i had and what i did to prove my connection so you know you just get stuck on that one person and you can't let them go and you'll go to the ends of the world for them oh i was I, I was the best, you know what I'm saying? Like I was Bonnie. I, I get starstruck by criminals. Like, like, I, like, you know, I would have on the posters of, you know, Al Capone and Scarface. Like that's who, who I was excited about. That's who I looked up to was the, you know, the masterminds, the criminals, the ones that figured it out, you know, the outlaws just, I just, it was fascinated me. It interested me. And I don't know, just cast away from society and they figured it out. I just, I don't know, something just called to me and I could just relate and so, yeah, I like fangirl about like, like I said, George Young, I wrote him and I was like jumping right. up and down. I was like, what, 22 years old, like jumping up and down that he wrote me back. Like any other girl is like whatever actor of the time is the it guy or whatever. They're, that's who they're fangirling about. But I'm fangirling about this 60 something year old, you know, drug dealer. Die? You know what? I really don't know. I know that he got released early. Um. For good behavior like earlier than expected i want to say he got he got out somewhere around in the like between 14 to 16 possibly he got right. out early but i don't know if he's dead or not but he did write me back it was like a pre-written fan mail response with like a picture of him but he did have like where he signed it or whatever and put his a little message and i remember the the handwriting was so squiggly and he actually hand wrote my name and address and i was just like oh my god george young from blow johnny depp's character hand wrote my name read my letter like oh my god i just I so the boyfriend gets out of jail he's you guys are paying you're paying your your the lawyer every month or every week you're giving him a thousand dollars oh and then it's gonna, be, it's gonna be more for trial it's gonna be more for this and more for that you know what i mean and to file this um you know motion it's gonna cost that you know and it's just but anyway, yeah, I think they only start charging more around a trial and then they, they charge for the motions after your sentence or whatever. But, you know, you get what I'm trying to say. But I know you're very detailed in your memory, like you describing the guy in, in, this, in the movie. And I'm glad that you said that because we had a very dramatic, whenever he got released, it was very suddenly. I did not expect it. A girl gets lonely, you know, and we had this understanding that he wanted me to be honest with him about everything. So... As long as he knew what I was doing, where I was at, it was okay with it. As long as everyone knew that I was going back to him when he got out. That's who I was waiting for, right? I actually ended up getting his last name tattooed on my my butt cheek. We were engaged. I had an engagement ring. We were engaged. He was my fiance, right? No, never made a single, not near plan for a wedding, but we were engaged, right? So he got released. What happened? <laughs> okay, so I ended up meeting the guy who like really just, oh man, just his um, charisma and just the way that he would command a room and the the fear and respect that people had for this next boyfriend. It was just, I was, I, I was like hypnotized by him. Like narcissist, alpha male, like, oh, I'll beat you down because I'm the strong one. And oh, you know, that's the type of guy he was. The guy that I was with previously, he was very jealous, very controlling. He actually didn't like me to go home and visit my own family. The thing that that I liked about the new guy that I slowly organically, you know, he groomed me into, okay, we're going to be in a relationship. You're going to be my main chick, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was very much a predator. I mean, we, 
it was an abusive relationship. We stayed good friends. We're still good friends to this day. We're not on speaking terms at the moment. This is the one that I was telling you about yesterday. He just got sentenced, a life sentence for. So, okay. Anyway. So you, the boyfriend got out of jail. He got out of jail. Met the new guy already. Yes. And he okay. knew that I was dating the new guy and yeah. he flipped out when I mentioned his name. He said, please, I'm telling you, just get, you have to get away from him. He's dangerous. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. He said, I don't care if you're not with me anymore. You have to get away from him. You know? And, and I was just like, Oh, of course he's going to talk bad about him. He doesn't want me to be with him. He wants, he wants me to go to him, you know? And I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of dealing with it. This situation was like, okay, well, you just got out, but guess what? I went and picked him up from jail. I got him a phone. I got him minutes whenever you had to go buy the minutes for the phone right. or buy the car or, or whatever. I took him to get groceries. I got him a hotel room. I got him, I set him up for what he needed. And I was like, but this is where I leave you because... I'm done with you treating me like shit. I'm with this guy now and it's over. And he cried like a, a baby down at my feet and begged on his knees, begged me to take him back and to be with him. And it, it broke my heart to break his heart, you know? And I would actually like later on, I would like cry for him because that had, like I said, that became my family and the person that I replaced the, the lack of connection with my family and parents. My sister wouldn't, at that time, she wouldn't allow me to hug her and connect with her like I wanted to. So I, I lacked connection with anyone. And um, so that was really the closest connection that I'd ever had. And so when things would go bad with this new boyfriend, I would cry for him. And like, I would just look out the window. I wouldn't tell him, but I would secretly, I'd be crying because I'm missing him, right? But it, I knew it was abusive. It was bad. This new guy, oh man, he, his hustling ability just blew this last guy out of the water. It was still to this day, just absolutely just jaw dropping, incredible. Like money just flows to this man. He's like a, an alien or something. He's something else. It's, it's very different, a very different, you know, there's a few people that you meet in this life that you come across and you're just like fascinated by the way that they are intelligent. The way that they move in life is so different and just commanding and that's just the path that their life took. You know what I mean? And it's like, why does everything work out and you come out unscathed, rich, like, how does, how does, how do you even do this? Like, what do you mean you did this, this and that? And there's just, I would hear stories, people telling stories about him, just like people gassed up and excited and like telling unbelievable stories. If you hadn't been to prison, I would not date you. That was one of my, <laughs> that was one of my rules. That's, That's not so a good bad. Rule. That's a bad rule. <laughs> That's the absolute worst rule you should have. Like, what was I thinking? Like, this was just leading up into the events that would take place, right? So, and mind you, growing up, my dad would take me to the county jail to visit his friend who, whatever friend was in jail at the time, my dad's never been arrested, but he has, for some reason, a few friends that are just in and out for, you know, petty crimes, but him taking me up to the county jail. And I remember the first time I saw people at the visitors thing, like, like, shoving an envelope under the door to someone who an orderly in the hallway and then like sneaking it and working it out. And I was like, that is interesting. Like, I just thought that I'm There's in on so they, problems. They, they saw me watch that happen. And it was like, we were all three in on it because I wasn't going to say anything, right. but I knew, you know what I mean? I wasn't even going to say anything to my dad, but I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Why do these things fascinate me? Like what? what? Is so the new guy, what does he, what does he do? I mean, he's, he's selling drugs. He's yeah. 
He's selling yeah. everything that makes money. Okay. So like a lot of the the podcasts that you've had, like the the steroid guys, he was a big steroid guy, well known for it. He and he was so knowledgeable of everything that he sold. That so it's like, oh my gosh, he's telling you all the the health benefits of you know, because a lot of guys that do steroids also like to do GHB. And it's like, oh, well, it does have health benefits. So why not? You know what I mean? So it's just like he sell really he could sell what ice to Eskimo or <laughs> how does right. that go? <laughs> you know, just he and there's just something else. He's just one of those people that you just your people are just like, are you serious? Like, I just remember, like he would go, we would go to like a Taco Bell, and he would blow it up until the cops got called or something popped off. But he people would get in what and out of the back seat. Mean? What does that mean? Um, he would he would sell. He would sell okay. to multiple people there to buy pills. They would be in and out of the back seat like a, a drive through. And he would blow it up. He would meet multiple, as many people as he could until the cops got called. And I would sit there and I would fill up a grocery bag full of money, a Walmart bag full of money. Okay. And at one point I helped him count out 180 grand. The amount of money began to increase and it made the old guy look like, you know what I mean? So I was just like, the more that people could make happen, it was just fascinating because there was better ways and people that were more connected and people that were well more well established and better with my it's just interesting to see how this whole underground subculture worked and it was just like hidden in plain sight you know and it was fascinating to me it was it was just a normal way of life by then you know so you so, were you were living with him where were you guys living i was in hotels and i had gotten down to my last bit of money and i was like i'm gonna have to get a job dancing i'm gonna have to figure it out i have no other way to generate money and i was just like listen i just I just want to run it by you because I, out of respect, but I'm going to get, go to this place and uh, get a job because I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to sleep tomorrow. Like just wanted to let you know out of respect. And then he gave me the money to get an apartment. And so I wouldn't Why have to do you that. Move in with him after like maybe a couple weeks. Cause hotels are expensive, right? Right. <laughs> So why would he keep no, paying you said you said okay so you said you were living in a hotel yeah you it would said be that you were about to get kicked out and he gave you the money for an apartment why didn't you move in with him in his apartment well he here's the thing he had just been released from prison and so he was with his mom he had like one of his trap girls like have like a safe house or whatever and he would just bounce around to other you know he didn't have like a a main residence. He just, that was okay. his, that was how he stopped from getting caught was he bounced, he moved around. He was transient. So you got an apartment. Yes. Got an apartment. And I just couldn't believe that this guy's helping me like this. Like I did nothing to help him. Like, why are you doing this? And he said, just help me when I'm down, have my okay. back whenever I'm down. And I was like, okay, yes, I got you. You know, that was me. Oh, I got you. Oh, have your back. I'm, I'm the one, you know? So, right. and so I wasn't just you know, sitting around, I was of course helping, you know, and I would go and I would get like bags of Coke and I would weigh it up. And I remember tr trying to weigh it up as fast as I could and like timing myself and seeing how fast I could weigh up two, you know, two ounces or whatever. And I remember like, just trying, it was like a game that I played with myself, but so that was just like, I would bag up his stuff and like, you know, pick it up or whatever and help people. I wasn't like a dealer, but I would, I would help out. You know what I mean? Right. I, I pulled my weight. I, I cooked, I cleaned, I made a home everything he was happy right that's what i thought but as you say you're saying you i wasn't a dealer but i was collecting the stuff hiding the stuff weighing the stuff packaging the stuff 
I told my way. I feel like you're a part of the conspiracy, but that's fine. So anyway. <laughs> well, I hadn't caught the hustle bug. That's what he called it. Because later right. on I would. And he would so, become my mentor. What but, happens? Um, okay, so mind you, he's cheating on me the whole time. It's a knockdown no. drag out. A drug oh. dealer is not being not faithful him. Not the narcissistic over, you know, not him. Mm. Oh, it was That's horrible. Shocking. Yeah. So he, I guess he was trying to make up for lost time. Like he had all these sayings of ex explaining and validating. Said? Yeah. Validating all of his actions and like what, you know, this was for. And just, he always had it figured out and he was always one step ahead of me. But, you know, there was only so much that I could take and it was knockdown drag out fights and it was bad. It got to the point where it's like, okay, I'm going to have to move away because either he's going to kill me or make me kill him. So what did you do? You, you called, you found out he was cheating on you. Uh, yeah. I found out that he had someone pregnant, not only that. Yeah. So that really hurt. And I was like, Oh, it's over, you know? And, and so he, but he didn't want me to leave. And I remember him telling me, if you ever leave me, you're going to have to move away. And I just was like, Oh, he's not playing. He's serious. And he was serious because, you know, there, it got to a point where I wasn't safe anywhere because he was going to find me and he was going to drag me out by my hair, you know, like it, no one's safe. Everyone's afraid of him. There's nowhere to hide, you know? So I actually ended up in a battered women's shelter a couple of times because it wasn't safe at my parents' house. And it just got really like serious. So at one point I, I, you know, I called my aunt who I hadn't seen since I was like 12. And I said, can I please come live with you? I'm in a bad situation. I need help. I want to turn my life around. Please help me. Did she? God bless her. Yes. God bless her. Aunt Cheryl, I love you. She's done nothing but try and help me so many times. And of course she took me right in and I had all the best intentions, but you know, she got me a job working at the old folks home and, and I had my little scrubs and she helped me get a car and like everything was, I meant well, right? But and that didn't last very long. No, that was whenever I, I wrote George Young and I was so bored. Let me write this, this dealer from Blow, you know, tell him how great he is. And hey, I'm just this little girl, bored girl. You know, he's probably like, what is this little girl? <laughs> anyway, um, I just thought he deserved a letter because he never told, you know what I mean? Like he was a stand up guy. He wasn't. He wasn't. I know. By the way. <laughs> But yeah, that, my the boyfriend, he was the one who would say that, oh, I never told. Da -da 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 -da. He was one of the people that would talk like that. But he, he come to find out, he'll throw anyone under the bus if he can. He just never could in any of his cases, right? Right. But anyway. He comes back, tells you he loves you, he misses you. He tries, he's trying to persuade me to come back, right? But I'm like determined to tell him no. But I liked that he was still asking. Like I was like, oh, he still loves me, but I know I, I, we're going to kill each other. So Right. <laughs> That, yeah, that'll that'll hinder a relationship <laughs> that'll get in the way anyway so yeah now rewind back one of the times I was with my sister and it was like a spring break vibe and my sister just knew everyone because she was out everywhere always partying well-known pretty cool and we ran into one of her friends at a gas station and I would later find out that he said oh who's that he said I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking marry her one day like he was determined and I was so flattered that he said that the first time he saw me or whatever but this guy who was just insisting on my sister to introduce us I he I had gotten back in touch with him he had friends get in touch with me through social media while he was in prison this guy was actually from Louisiana on the run at the time in Florida he's escaped I don't even know how many times like I want to say five or six times but it's probably more so yeah. what happened the guy Okay, so, so you obviously get back with the with the the new guy. What's the new guy's name? 
There's a there's an uh, article about him. What's his name? Yes, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. What is? Yeah. That sounds like a good Jewish boy's name. But anyway, it's I know it's, his middle name's Eugene. So it's the, and he used All to right. go. That was his one of his aliases. But no, well, I'll just say Jeremiah Beasley. It was like a like an outlaw. Like it's, it reminded me of like a like a cowboy, like an outlaw cowboy's name. It just that name just yeah, fit Jeremiah. Him. I guess that does sound kind of cowboyish too, right? Yeah. 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 So Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't mind me saying his name or whatever. But, there's an article. I mean, there's a, I've, there's what? Oh yeah, it's articles, public. So. It's public record. Well, this isn't the one that escaped, but that was the one that oh. just like that was the one that got me away from the first one, right? But the guy Stephen that saw me at the gas station, he became my moral support over the phone while he was in prison. Now you know, guys will do this. They'll be there for you. They'll be whatever you need to be. They'll listen. Right. They'll you know. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, we're just the the whole. We're just. No, no, I just want to be friends. Eh, yeah, no, no. I'm here for you. I'm, I'll, I'll listen to you. Can you right. send me some money for some He's tuna? Waiting for, a, <laughs> waiting for a chink in the armor. <laughs> but yeah, no, in a lot of ways, it, it does fill a void for them too. I mean, I feel like, you know, whatever. But you know, they're locked there's, up. They need somebody to call. Yeah, they want a connection. Yeah. Right. So he, I just kind of leaned on him, and one thing led to another, and he was just such. Oh, now this guy was the ultimate con artist. Like. I, I must say that he didn't have plans to back up his lies, but when he was telling a lie, you believed it. And like I said, he's the one who's escaped so many times. And like, it's his ability to get out of where he's at is like Houdini. He grew up in like the, you know, the rough parts of Baton Rouge and they're different over there. And, you know, he had, oh my God, he had the gold teeth and the face tattoos. And I was just like, oh, I love it. I loved it. And so stupid. Now I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I've dated you. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> if I ever get approached by those types of, I'm sorry, y'all, but I just, no. No, I need no. someone with a 401k and health insurance. <laughs> no, But no, I'm trying to have those things for myself these days. But those are the things that, the good qualities of, you know, oh, well, that's a good quality to have. If you don't have a retirement plan or a five-year plan, I won't date you. That's my thing. You know what I mean? Like you got to have a career down. You got to be established. You know, I've become a little bit wiser. I'm trying, but so yeah, uh, I had a lot of time to sit around and think of where did I go wrong? How did I end up here? Yeah. So he, the boyfriend, the boy, the even is the one that I would end up doing the, the, the break with. And a lot of people say, Oh, what you picked him up from work release. Oh no, no. We broke him out of maximum security prison. What? How did y'all do that? Oh my right, god! I, so, I, so right now you're you've broken up with a boyfriend. Yes, and I'm leaning on the the support of the guy in Louisiana. Right, you're working at the old folks' home. Yep, bored. Do you go back to? No. No. Oh, okay, I thought that. I thought this was the guy that. Okay, but anyway, no. yeah, you're. So but that was the one that I was just like that was the one that fascinated me with his criminal activity right. and his. You know what I mean? Like that was like, oh, wow, the last one didn't know nothing. But anyway, the guy, Steven, is the one that he just kind of like veered off. It, it was a very, he was a very much a con artist though. And I, I have love for him. I wish the best for him. I, I can't recently get a hold of him, but I've spoken to him, you know, quite recently. I want to say within the last six months or so, I've spoken to him. He was a very, he was a con artist. He was a good escape artist. He was, you know, good at whatever he did. But he, whenever we would talk about the time that he had left, he would never really gave me a straight answer. And I know he was getting shipped around for court dates. And I just kind of, 
I noticed it, but I swept it under the rug because I was too naive to be like, wait, I asked you a question. I want an answer. If I'm right. doing this, this, and that for you, I deserve the truth, right? Like, no, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I just did what I was told. I, that was the best way to be. If, you know, if they got angry with me for whatever, then I just, oh, I just wanted to appease them and, and make sure they weren't mad at me and just do whatever, you know, do it out, obey or whatever. And, you know, anyways, I'm like, oh, oh I wish a motherfucker would now. Like, don't even look at me wrong, okay? You're so going to be gone. Like, I remember just being stressed out. I was bored in this, like, it was a Tuscaloosa in Alabama and I wasn't a college student and it was just like, ah, it was just like so slow pace and just my aunt was so overbearing. My parents obviously were never overbearing. They've never like told me not to do something and not to wear something. There was a dress code living at my aunt's house and I was like, I can't wear a spaghetti strap. Like what? Like that? Oh no. Mm -mm. I was going to figure out a way to leave that place and go back to some type of fast lifestyle. Right. But I definitely didn't want to. When did that happen? Well, okay, so I remember being stressed out about something and I was on the phone with Steven and crying about it and he was like, "Oh, you want me to you want me to get home sooner?" Okay, well, I'll see you in such and such. And I'm like, "Wait, why would you say that? Like, you told me you had such and such amount of time. If you can be out sooner, why wouldn't you get out sooner? I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't you try harder? Like, what do you mean?" I'm waiting on this sooner release date, right? To come up so I can go and like have my fast, interesting, you know, life that's fascinating and fun and we're getting away with stuff and it's cool or, you know, whatever I was thinking it was going to be. Just whatever lies he was telling me, all this money he was going to be making. And, you know, he sold me the dream and I bought it. And so it was something to look forward to. And so here's the thing. He, one day he said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to need your help because such and such got hurt last night trying to do it. And so we can't use him. So I'm going to need your help. This is a deal. And he broke it down. He's like, I need you to do this, this, and this to aid an escape. And I'm like, Ooh, have you, you ever this met this guy in person? I, one time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Falls in love. He was very convincing. <laughs> We okay. built a rapport, okay? I was going <laughs> to say. And we just built this relationship. And he was, I leaned on him. Like I said, I lacked the connection with other people, right? So that was who I just leaned into. And I just would obsess with and devote myself to. I was just so toxic, okay? I, all this time should have been pouring into myself, devoting to myself, building myself up and working, you know, investing in myself, my education, my knowledge, my skill set. I, I get it. I get it. What did he ask you to do? So he asked me to help with part of the process of cutting some fences with bolt cutters. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Where, and, where, okay, go ahead. Sorry. So what, what state is this? We're still Louisiana. in Florida? Louisiana. No, okay. He's locked up in Louisiana he's a, where he's from. Yeah. <laughs> where are you living? I'm living in Alabama. <laughs> okay. okay. So whenever Not my aunt- far. Was, they, they border each other, right? Don't they? Yeah. Border, they yeah. Border, yeah. A little tri-state area. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, just okay. skip over Alabama and, and Mississippi. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump away, right? I think it was like a seven and a half hour drive or nine and a With half. With a pair of bolt, bolt cutters. Yeah, bolt cutters in the back. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> they say I'm good with a set of bolt cutters. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah. With him explaining this to me, he's like, okay, so such and such got hurt. He couldn't do it. It fell through. I'm going to need you to do it. And if you don't come through, then the only person we can blame it on is you. 
basically. He like manipulated me into saying, okay, well, you want me to get out, you got to come get me. And if you don't come through, then it's your own fault. You know what I mean? He right. just like used my devotion against me to manipulate me into doing his bidding, right? And I really honestly, like, I think he was facing like a 10-year sentence. And in Louisiana, you do 35%. So he really would have less than four years to do. And then think about like the GED and the classes and stuff you can take and get time. There's so much little time that he would have to do. But oh, no, he had to get to me, right? because he couldn't lose me and, and I needed him and we were in love. You know, I, I was just all about taking a leap of faith and just going for it. You know, I would just do anything, go anywhere. Like I was just. So you grab the, you go to Home Depot, you pick up a pair of bolt cutters, you jump into your Chevy and you so, drive for seven and a half hours. And so here's the thing. When my aunt was shopping for the car that she, she put a lien on for me to get and pay her or whatever, He's like, make sure that you get a car where we can crawl into the trunk from the back seat. Okay, cool. Gotcha. So this is like a little like couple weeks process. I think I had a couple weeks and I went and got the, I needed Allon wrenches. And he said, I'm not sure if it's this size or this size. So I need you to get three sizes, the size I think it is, the size above, the size below, just to be safe. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I need to get a, a hands-free headset so I can be on the phone while I'm doing whatever I'm doing. I don't need to be holding a phone to my ear because I need my hands. I need all black clothes. Like it was, it was, you know, the way we were all black for the big jobs. It was a big job. And right. I feel like it was pretty so sophisticated. And I was just like taking instructions. I was going to do it. Probably going to go to prison, but who cares? Like, as far as I was concerned, I, this was my life and prison is just a part of it. So it's not a question of if you're going, it's when and how long. So I was cool. I mean, like everyone that I knew had been in and out. I'm only going to get a little bit of time, whatever, whatever. It's cool. You know, I talked I talk to three different people and I said, okay, well, I'm going to do this. We bond me out if I, if, and when I get caught, these people were going to come together for the money. Like it was, it was at least I can bond out and fight the case from being outside before I have to go. So um, I knew I was going to go to prison for it. I was just like, all right, I'm, we're Bonnie and Clyde, right? So we got this. And so, yeah, because of the connections that I made, I, you know, I knew a few people that I could ask that they could put something together. So I thought, but anyway. You know, I didn't look into it as, as deeply as I maybe should have, but apparently, you know, assisting escape was frowned upon very much. So, you know, I, I just didn't really look too, too deeply into it, but anyway. Okay. So, so I got the bolt cutters. I got the Allon wrenches and I just remember thinking like, I, I had my hospital scrubs on and I was standing in line to buy tools to break someone out of prison and I was just like no one has any idea what I'm buying this stuff for and this is funny like they have right. no idea and I was just thought I was like this is cool what I'm doing right now like this is so sur it was surreal is what it was and it was just interesting an interesting feeling and you feel like you could see you could see the movie scene and playing in your head yeah <laughs> yeah I can I can see the movie you're in <laughs> the moment with my you're, scrub. So, you're so in the moment you're you're living right. a life outside of the norm I just thought it was great that we're like, oh, we're not doing time. We're leaving. We're out of here. Who's coming with us? You know, like it was cool to me because I had known a lot of, you know, men that were in that lifestyle and in that, you know, area of life. And it's just like you heard about escapes, but you never actually thought about doing it. Like you never, a lot of people's minds don't go there because it's not worth it. You're going to get caught. You're going to get killed. Whatever's going to happen. You don't even go there. I never did. But this guy's mind did. And okay. So you got the stuff. You Got drive the there. I hopped in my car, drove on down to good old Louisiana. 
and I'd never been there before. And I drove straight to the prison. And I remember I only had a limited amount of times that I could drive past the prison before it would look suspicious. But I was trying to figure out where to enter the property, what would be the best location to enter where I needed to go to the rec yard area without being detected. It was like a moat of like trees and swamps around this prison. And it's like, where, how do I get back through there? And I just had like casing the joint. I had a limited amount of times to drive past where I'm just going to have to make a wild, you know, guess and, and go for it. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to have to go back to my car and regroup. I tried to go through the trees to get to like, okay. So when there's like a clearing, the, the watchtowers, which I saw like flashing lights, like a TV was playing. Someone had like a little portable TV to where there's someone up there and they're watching, you know what I mean? Like you're going to be detected when you're having to run a football yards length with no cover. doesn't matter if you're wearing all black, they're going to see you. That's what I'm thinking. Right. So there, you can only like use the, the, sh the shadow of the trees for so many areas before you're going to have to just make a run for it. And it's like, okay, if I'm getting, if they see me, they see me. If not. Yeah. I'm sure me. there's a amount of, amount of luck to it because they've yeah. cleared the trees back from, you know, they've got them cleared back from the fence. It's not like the trees go right up to the, where the fences are. They've right. got what you're saying. You're saying a football length, but yeah. let's say even if it's a hundred, even if it's a hundred feet, it doesn't matter. The people in the watchtower certainly have a chance to see you. Yes. Yes. But they're most they're, likely they're most likely kicked back in the chair watching mm -hmm. TV and never look out the window. Yeah. No one, no one would be that crazy to do that. Right. How rare would that happen? Like you're not thinking that on a typical night, it's boring. It's uneventful. It's the same routine. You know what I mean? Like everyone's asleep. Right. Who cares? And, and they'd have to be constantly looking out the window. Mm -hmm. They're just not. They're not. They're not. So yeah. But also just random officers outside smoking a cigarette, talking to each other. Like there's oh, yeah. many, I mean, you could be seen. There's many different opportunities for you to be seen. And it's very nerve wracking, very dangerous, very high stakes. It's like, okay, this, this is do or die. This is here it goes. This is all or nothing. And I remember like, I remember him telling me like with his Louisiana accent, like just belly crawl on your, be just belly crawl on your stomach like an alligator. And I'm like, okay. God. Okay. <laughs> with, my hands, with my headset on, like, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing this. But um, so the first, it would take two nights, right? So the first night he needed me to put the Allen wrenches. He told me, okay, this is funny. He told me to put the Allen wrenches into a Snickers bar because he needed the wrenches to get out on the second night, right? That's whenever he was, I was going to leave with him. So he said, put him, shove him into a Snickers bar because he needed it to be in something that was weighted that he could find it in the rec yard easily, right? And I'm like, well, what if someone picks it up and eats it? He's like, take it out of the wrapper, idiot. I thought he wanted me to leave it in a whole Snickers bar and throw the right. Snickers bar. <laughs> and he couldn't believe that I thought that, but I was like, oh, okay. But anyway, yeah, so no one's going to want to eat like an open, soggy. Snickers, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that was what I did. And... I can't remember. I, I I know that the first attempt to get through the the trees, I remember I got so the trees got so dense and like scratching me up so badly that I remember I was just in sheer panic and unable to move any further. I couldn't, I was all scraped up. I was terrified. My phone was dying. Like I couldn't go any further. And I, I didn't know how I was gonna get back out. And I had to go to the car and like like calm myself down because I didn't want to run through all that open space if I could get through the trees, right? But they just, they were way thicker and more dense that I, you know, I couldn't get through them. I, and I couldn't figure out 
the, there was like 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 what I would find out later was like farm like where they kept cattle later on <laughs> but I didn't know how to get back to those places to get through there so I was like I'm just gonna have to go this long way in front of everyone where everyone might see me and hope for the best so that's what I did so the I threw the I had the Snickers bar he came went out direct got him went inside he had gotten you threw so up. you so just to paint the picture, you walked up to the fence, the rec yard, in, in sight of the tower. I need I need like a diagram so I can draw it right. for you, like the the. Well, I mean, I I understand because I've been the in the layout of the prison. Of, okay, so right. so you walk up and you chuck it yeah. over you, you Both throw fences. it over the fence. Mm -hmm. How many fences? One. It was two fences. Two fences. That's what I thought. So there's two fences. Aren't they? Aren't did they have the motion detectors on them or just just the barbed wire? I don't know if, if they had, I'm guessing they didn't have motion detectors because we yeah, were. I mean, that's a federal, it depends on, you know, okay. not everybody no, does that. A lot, of them, a lot of them think, hey, we've got, we've got razor wire, mm -hmm. multiple fences, and we've got a guard tower. And there's guards when there's inmates there, mm -hmm. there's guards there. So they, yeah, they feel like they've got it covered. And Louisiana is very lackadaisical on their upkeep, their maintenance there. Compared to Florida, Florida is on point, okay? They are by the book, you know. Well, this is, I mean, I've been in federal prisons, like they're in federal prisons there, they have tons of money. So they can, mm -hmm. you know, they've got, you're not getting out of a, you're just not getting out of a, a federal prison unless you walk, right. unless you're in a camp. So, so like you throw it over. And then when he yeah. goes out the next day to wreck, he goes out like he's jogging or walking the track and he just kind of looks around and he realizes, mm -hmm. and he sees it and he grabs it. Mm -hmm. Man, he got, yeah. That's, yeah, so that's, he had his final tool that he needed because he he had two other keys. He had like a certain amount of doors to get through. One of them, he had someone order a key on eBay and get into him because they're very lackadaisical about bringing food and visitation, stuff like that. You could just bring food for them to eat and stuff like that. They could wear street clothes. Like it was so... Yeah, that's crazy. Louisiana is so, it's like lawless. It's so crazy how lenient their rules are and their. That's it's like a prison back in the 1960s or 70s. Yeah, this place was being ran like a hotel. And honestly, like this escape got this. I'm sorry for anyone who I may have cost their jobs. It was very irresponsible. Like truly, I'm, it was, I was so wrong. I'm so sorry for anyone that I may have cost who's trying to provide for their family. You know, I don't have a problem oh with this. Oh my God, family. I'm sure they'll find so what so <laughs> they'll be all right wasn't shut down but <laughs> what happened I'm so sorry. yeah so he he like drugged one guard and stole the sorry he drugged one guard and stole the keys like he drugged he, the guard yeah this is what he said wow there's no telling there's no telling what's true and what's not but he got them somehow now this guy would i remember you were involved in this yeah he stabbed someone in the face person. with a phone I know. You're a horrible person. No. <laughs> go ahead. Come on, go ahead. He stabbed someone in the face for a cell phone. So he's ruthless. He's cutthroat. He's going to do whatever he has to do to make happen what he wants. Like, he, he does not care. He drugs a guard. He gets yeah. through how many doors yeah. using the Allen wrenches? I think he had three doors to get through. He used Allen wrenches to get one door, like remove a, a door. And he had a key brought into him and a key that he stole. It's crazy. That he could even like fabricate and make this happen it's crazy he had the whole dorm on his side thinking that he was going to i was dropping off a like a bomb or whatever for for the pod and that everyone was going to be eaten you know so and he's he was going to be right back right with the bomb 
So everyone's like, okay, yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna have, we're gonna be set, we're gonna have all this, everyone's gonna be eat, we're good. He had people covering for him and stuff. So yeah, he's convincing. He's real convincing. <laughs> the second night, he okay, so I remember whenever I was cutting through the fences, I would have to cut through not one but two fences. So I actually broke into the prison to get him out, right? And that was just crazy to me. Like, I didn't take into consideration how loud I, sh I didn't practice like cutting a fence beforehand, but how loud it was going to be and how difficult it would be to cut the holes. But I just cut one slit because I figured you could push one side, pull one side because he brought a friend with him, of course. And so if he can't get through the hole, the other guy can help him, whatever, they'll figure it out. This is the best I can do. I'm not going to cause, you know, if I don't have to, you know, lose my freedom doing this and I can get him out, I'm going to do the least amount of damage or, you know, take the least amount of time that I can, whatever you get what I'm trying to say. So <laughs> I can't get the words out. There's too much. It's the, it's intense right now. So yeah, it was, it was a rush. It was so exciting. It was just like, you're in the moment. Like at one point I was like laying on my side like this between the fences, like, okay, come on, like waiting. And he wouldn't answer. I had bad service. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to go get to a safe spot because I can't wait here for any longer. This is stupid. So I got up and I, and I, you know, I waited in, in the shadows far away, safe. Oh, and I forgot the first night when I ran back through the farms where they had the cattle, this is like where it's like a movie, right? So I'm thinking whenever I'm like scoping the scene and seeing what I have to do to get out that way, because I'm not running back where I ran through to begin with. That's a suicide mission, right? That is way too risking it. So I'm going to run out that way. I don't know what's over there, but I'm going that way. <laughs> so I'm thinking that's a field. It's just like a grassy field, right? No, it's a lake. Guess who ran into a lake? Okay. Me. I had to like sit down, like dump the water out of my shoes. Like, oh, okay, cool. It's freezing cold at night. Dump. Mm. So I walk around the lake <laughs> and I proceed to the cattle farms. And I, I didn't realize that there, I was in like, you know, a cow field until I heard a cow like right next to me, like, like, like moo in my ear. I was like, oh my God, it was so scary and crazy. I was just tripping over stuff and running and jumping fences and I was exhausted. So I would like climb to the top and fall and I was soaking wet and I actually ran into an electric fence and got electrocuted. I like dropped down to my knee and I was like, oh, I'm dirty. I'm Is terrified. this the first day or the second? First, first or second? Night. That okay. was the first night. Oh, the second night I knew, you know, I knew it like the back of my hand. I, I was clean. I was dry. I'm trying to think of when, which night did I throw the bolt cutters into the lake? But I, I basically made the, the second trip easier on myself and less dangerous of getting caught, right? So I mapped it out. I figured out where the entrance, where to go around. I figured out how to avoid the electric fence. You know what right. I mean? Like let's go around that because that about, about all soaking wet and I got electric and you know, water and electricity, they just, yeah. you know, it was like me and Steven, you know, it was like, Oh, it's a bad idea. So you go back, you cut the fence, you yeah, realize um, you can't lay there anymore. Yeah. And so what you go back to the tree line and just stand mm -hmm. by the tree line and mm -hmm. wait. Yeah. Does he, has he have any clue that this has been done and you're waiting for yeah. him and that yeah, oh, okay. well, I get the idea that he's gotten the message or, you know, he's just on his way out, whatever. He okay. made it out within a reasonable amount of time. Right. I remember him, the two of them running up to me and we were yelling for each other, but we were just too far apart to hear each other, I guess, but they made it to me. And I just remember us like finally like being face to face and meeting and hugging. And it was like, that was like, I really didn't even know this guy, but it was great. It was great as I hoped it would be you know, the connect, it wasn't awkward. It wasn't weird. It was cool. It was good. 
and also glad that I did it. And he was so happy. So yeah, we got in the car, we went and they, oh, they had a nice S they had a, a tour guide to help them out of the, you know, the, the marshes and the grassy knolls and the, and the cattle farms. They didn't have to get electrocuted or soaking right. water running lakes. How nice of me, you know, I just like catered the way. Good thing that I, you know, made all the mistakes so they wouldn't have to, right? I would actually end up trading my freedom for his. I just, I was so in love, right? I just had to, had to prove my love. We got in the car and we drove and we drove and we drove and we drove and we didn't have a plan. We didn't know what we were doing. We, everything just went to shit, fell through, wasn't working. I mean, he planned all this out step by step. He didn't have a plan on where to go. Mm -mm. He probably didn't think he'd get that far. He's probably like, I'll figure it out if we even get this. Yeah. Yeah. So he, last time he escaped, he escaped for about a year and a half, I think. And he made things happen. He ended up with his own like townhouse and car. Just he created a life to where it was livable. It was doable, you know, but he still was. It's when you're on the run, you're looking over your shoulder, you're lying about who you are. It's, you know, it's stressful, but that's what they say. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) rumor has it. Where'd you guys go? We ended up going, we went towards like Florida and we just kept going. We ended up going to Panama City and like every, situation that we would try it just wouldn't work you know like we tried like sleeping in like abandoned houses or you know just unoccupied house or like getting into whatever we could get into breaking into a hotel or whatever we could figure out and we actually one night stayed at in someone's camper at a campsite and told them all we all had fake names we all like hung out and were nice to him and he took us in and like fed us and like I remember we were like drinking and smoking weed one night. We all had aliases and we had this story. It was just, it was crazy. Has this hit the, like the local news? Did that come out and they said, hey, we're missing an inmate or two. We're missing two inmates. Yeah. So I think it took them about 12 hours, maybe even longer to find them, them missing. Um, And all those guys in the unit, they they never got their, their, uh, you know, their big casserole or palm or whatever. Yeah. Casserole. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, that's really what it is, right? It's a big, yeah. you're going to bring them a bunch of food, right? That's, you know, so go yeah. ahead. So, they so never got to eat. They must but they up. actually, I remember him being on the phone with them because he left his cell phone for them. And they were like, oh man, you got us good, but we're happy for you. Though. You know what I mean? Like it was like that, but idiot staying on the phone with them. And anyways, <laughs> like, oh, ho, ho, I'm out and you're not like, come on. God. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, come on. All of us were just idiots. But I, I broke someone out of a maximum security prison. That's pretty something. much single-handedly. Something to tell the grandkids. Yeah, that's what I would say. That's what I would say. You know, oh, well, you know, good old so days. You kept going. Where did you end up? What happened? I mean, we were just going to keep. Yeah. So the marshals kicked in the doors at my aunt's house in Alabama. They just like barge. I know. Yeah. I just told her before I left Alabama, I said, I'm the, I'm wanted some stuff that I can't undo. I got to go. I'm not staying here getting arrested. I'm going on the run. I'm sorry. I love you. I can't go back now. I'm sorry. Never should have helped you. Never should have brought you in. I never should have got you that job. So anyway, I'm sorry, Cheryl. I love you. Anyways, darn kids. The rock and roll music. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, we just kept going, and you know, any resource that we could that we could 
extend to we we just took a hold up we just try to make stuff happen and it just we only lasted five days out and i remember my dad on the phone with me like my i was such a why would i why do i have the same number why who does so you're that? walking around with the same phone number your capture phone number well okay so so what did your dad say first of all how did they even get to your aunts how did they even know you were involved he left all of the mail that i had sent him and they had pictures of me they had every oh it's her it's got she's got to have something to do with it this is his main contact like okay they just figured it out you know the feds they're very resourceful and wow. i mean there's a yeah yeah for for people like us doing things like that it becomes a hindrance yeah, you know they true. just they just get right up under your skin they ruin the plan but you know and th there's a lot of things that they're missing but some of the things that they do get you're like oh well, i gotta give you credit for that That's they don't good. have to get that much they yeah, get, they can be wrong. You know, they can be wrong over and over. They only have to be right once, mm -hmm. and then you're yep. just done. Yeah. So yeah. So they they go to your dad. What did your dad say when he called you? He said, um, "Baby, what are you doing? What are you doing?" Yeah, he's see by this time he's like basically used to the way me and my sister were, and he's like, "The feds were here. They're coming for you. I mean, they're gonna come arrest you. So just letting you know, I'm sorry, Dad. You know, Dad, I'm sorry." Daddy tried, you know, daddy right. tried, but anyway, he wouldn't tell on me, but he would, you know, wouldn't help me, but he refused to enable my, my criminal behavior. My, yes. My what assisting escape and aiding and abetting a fugitive of the law. He wouldn't help me like dad. Why? You know, dad. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, we ended up getting like a whole like SWAT team got us at a hotel that we were at and they triangulated they ping your uh, phone or i mean mm -hmm. they just tracked it yeah and i noticed that it got really hot at a certain point and we earlier that day it got like he threw it up against a tree and like just you know just destroyed it and i guess they just were going around hotels and just looking for us and they just were just combing the place with a fine tooth comb and they were going to find us and they knock yeah. did they knock on the door and, and say hey you got oh, yeah. excuse me I remember at one point, like, I remember them banging on the door and I'm, I'm like leaning up against it, holding my hand. And he's like about to try and jump off on the balcony. And I'm like, they're coming. It's, this is it, you know? And like, why was I not trying to get away? I'm holding the door. Like I got them. I'll hold them off. You go, you know, like, come on. It's ridiculous. Like really? Like I'm going to hold all the battering ram off with my little self anyway. So yeah, I knew this was coming. So I wasn't really too upset. And I remember, like, I thought I was so funny whenever they were bringing me out and they're just, everyone was like, it was like a crowd that was like watching, like, they all know who I was. They knew, you know what I mean? So it was just like, oh, all this for me, little old me. And I was like, wait, because people, they were taking photos. I was like, can I please fix my hair? Because I had like a little side braid. Can I fix my hair, please? And uh, like, just cracking jokes, you know, like, it was funny. But so the least I can do is just try to get a laugh, you know, and I actually planned out if and when I got incarcerated to have my my credit card numbers written down and the information so that I could give my contact on the phone the numbers so they could use my my card to put money on my books. Right. So I was like, OK, I'm good. I got I'm not going to have to go without money as soon as I get, you know, and took I need a bubble sheet. Let me get my you know what I mean? Your commissary. Yeah, let me, I need a bubble sheet. When, when do y'all turn in bubble sheet? Like what, 
like I, I had it down like I was playing, I was not gonna go without that's for sure so I was at least gonna be comfortable I was gonna do my little time get out and then I was gonna have it's like a rite of passage like okay I did my prison my first prison bid like what's up what what's next so they grab all of you yeah the the three of us and I remember I was just tired and they took us to Jacksonville County Jail Duval County Jail which is way like strict and like just it's it's the strictest out of any jail that I've ever been to it's no photos no music no rec yard it's the rec yard is three levels up and there's like you can see the air or you can see like this the partial sky another place you can see the air it's like you don't even get like green grass or anything like or open space it's just duval county is just it's a low security like you can walk freely from one place to the next without being escorted which i thought was weird but it was just so enclosed and hard to escape or so it seemed so i had to wait a couple days for first appearance and I remember him telling me, okay, I'm going to make a sick call. And so I'll meet you at such and such. And I'm like, just shut up. I don't want to hear it. This is your fault. This is stupid. <laughs> we made it for how many days? This sucks. I don't want to hear it. This is ridiculous. This is really, I don't know why I even did. Like, I was just pissed off, irritated. I want my shower. I want my bed. I'm ready to have a break because it was stressful. I was tired the whole time. I was just exhausted from it. You're not and in love anymore? Still in love? I was, I was just irritated, you know, like I was mad about how long we had out and we were fighting a lot. It was just crazy and controlling and I was just done with it. You know, like it was just, I was mad about how long we were out. You know, I wanted to have what? like a whole life on the run. <laughs> oh my God. That's ridiculous. Yes, Listen, what do have... say? So public defender. Um, well, no one really stuck out to me in, in Duval County besides first appearance. Only me and the other guy showed up. We're like, what? Where's where's Steven? Like, oh, he had charges in Panama City, so they shipped him over there. And he was like, I remember whenever I was like, whatever, I want my shower, I want to go to bed. He's like, well, I'm getting out again. I mean, y'all do he's what you want. Keep, he's just going to keep. Yeah, he's like, I'm getting back out. And I was like, whatever. Like, I was just like, that's so stupid. This, like, come on. I was like, Psh. well, first of all, he, what he seems to know really how to do is break out of prison. He doesn't know how to survive in the real world. That seems to be an issue. Like he, maybe if he spent a few months just kind of figuring out what's the next step, if I get outside of the fence, you wouldn't have to continually break out. Right. But, mm. but anyway, whatever. I, 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 I hear you. You need some money, some funds, some plans, you know what I mean? Some, right. some people fall back on. You can't just screw everyone over and not have anyone to turn to, right? Well, I mean, here's what, what I don't understand. Like, like, what about money? Like, did he think about, you know, like, if you're already a criminal, you've already broken out, you're already wanted, like, why not go ahead and just rob a bank or something? I mean, why I not know. We were talking about it. We were talking about it. I would have, I would have been willing to do it. So, <laughs> my God. Okay, so, so what happened... So what happened then? I got you. So I got you, baby. I got you. <laughs> something's not right. So what happened? So yeah, so they told us that he had other charges that he had to go see about. Anyway, so I ended up getting shipped to Louisiana after about two and a half weeks. And because of my charges, like the like the biggest, baddest, most popular girl in jail, she's oh, that's awesome. She took me under her wing. She helped me out. She I'll never forget her. 
like I'm getting the chills right now. Like just the things she told me, the things she said to me, she was, she was in there for home invasion. She was a crack dealer. And she was like the godmother. She was in there she, for home. She was a, a home invading crack dealer with words of wisdom. Okay. Yes. I, I she hear had you. Glasses, and she was just like, you got to write me and da, 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 da. And she, she got all my commissary for me so I could have my money whenever I got to my home base in Louisiana. How sweet was that? She got me all my hygienes and food and like fed me, like looked out like, oh, that's so sweet. She's like, just write me, just stay in touch with me. She was so sweet and cool. Everyone just loved her. People just gravitated to her and she was so charismatic and good. And I'll never, her name's Alicia Hoffman. I need to look her up, but I'm pretty sure she got a life sentence, but it was like multiple home invasions that she had been in trouble for. You know, they get real touchy about those, but you know, home invasions or whatever. So seriously. Yeah. She was, she was, she was the crack dealer with the heart of gold, you know? The, the words of wisdom <laughs> but with a heart of gold nice. she, she did she, she looked out for me and she didn't have to and it was a scary place and to have her like you know that was cool oh, i was gonna say when did you find out what you were facing like what what was that conversation with your lawyer like what did you think you were facing i knew that it could be anywhere from probation to a good handful of years I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. You know, I think the most I saw on, I almost got away with it. It was like eight years for accomplices. You know what I mean? So I didn't actually get my first plea offer until, okay. So I went in, I want to say somewhere around October or November. And I didn't have Louisiana. So backed up with their court appearances and their, I, I didn't go to first appearance or arraignment in Florida. It's like boom, boom, boom. You know, within the first few days of being there, you have to have those. Louisiana, right. they said, okay, well, we'll see you next year if you don't want to make your statement or whatever. We'll see you next year. I'm like, whatever. You know, during interrogation, they're just trying to scare me. See you next year. It's it's November. Okay. I did not get seen until like February. So I'm like, okay. By the time I see them, I'm like, okay, maybe we can figure something out. Like it's right. cold. It's flooding. You know, like it literally flooded in my, my parish because it's parishes there. It was so ghetto and gross and nasty in these places. It was harsh living conditions. The coldness would, would get you. Take me maybe an hour each day to mop up the flooded water in, in the parish so that I could have my little walking track. Because that's what I did. I walked and I paced for hours and hours every day. That was my thing. Well, you know, I believe I'm undiagnosed autistic, but pacing, that was my, that was my thing. Like that was what I loved it. It was... <laughs> I loved it. So crazy though. Yeah. For hours, I would sometimes for like four to six hours a day, I would pace and I just built up my endurance and my stamina. And it's just like, it, Hey, had me feeling, you know, so what, was the, what was the offer? The first offer was six years. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, but um, let me back up. Let me back up. Okay. So whenever I got shipped to Louisiana, okay. So I now have an escape charge, right? So right. it's my security is higher. So they have to take different precautions with me from, from here on out for the rest of my life. And right. that would like, make things They're locking harder. up like Cannibal Lecter, right? Like they put yeah. the box on, the cuffs, they shake yeah, Everyone's like, what does she do? Like, <laughs> like who would she kill? Yeah. It's like this, this little tiny girl, like, oh, hi. <laughs> but yeah, so I had to be like, they, the regular securities got, you know, on the benches in the front of the bus. And I was like in the back in my own little cage with the box and the two chains, like That's they had my, my feet in my hands, like, or my hands to my waist. It was just crazy. I remember trying to eat, like it was crazy. Yeah. But, um, 
<laughs> yeah. So it took like a long time and, oh, it was so, so rough. So, so yeah. So yeah. interrogation, whenever I got there, they had me in one of the like offices or whatever. And I remember a bunch of the police officers, like looking through the blinds at me because the photos that I had sent Steven, they were like, you know, racy, you know, they were like, right. So, you know, I'm like holding guns and like lingerie, like I'm the most gangster, you know, like, so it's like, it's, it, the photos got me like well-known amongst the officers. And so they were all like clamoring to like see me. Oh, they finally got her. Oh, and I know it's her because of the tattoos and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, okay, y'all got me. It was weird. The way that I was treated by them is like almost like a celebrity. It's an embarrassment to the the prison system and the the whole legal system, the legal system as a whole. It's like y'all made a joke out of us and you damaged the property. You got the place shut down. You made me look bad. You know, the warden, all these people are just, they're mad. They're big mad. Interrogation. They get you in the room. You know, like I was very nervous in the beginning, but now I'm like, okay, I know the story. I'm getting into it. I'm like, okay, so it's, you know. And I, so I was just like, I was just conditioning my mind to get through these interrogate. They interrogated me for like maybe six or seven hours the first night. And then like a long time, the second time. And they were trying, they were doing and saying everything they could to intimidate and scare me into just telling and, and, oh, he did, he, they were trying to turn him against me and this and that. And, and I was just like sticking to my guns. Right. And I mean, um, did you tell them you took part in the, well, here's the thing. They, they, they knew that I knew something and that I had a hand in it, but they didn't think that a girl could possibly cut the fences and like, like do that. They just thought I picked him up or like met him somewhere along the way, but that I knew something that I could give them information and lead to whoever did it. Right. Right. And come to find out when Steven got to Panama city for his other charges, they hadn't put a hold on him yet. So he met someone who would later become my friend and convinced him to bond him out. And he bonded him out and he is out free in, in the free world in Panama City, eating chicken wings, lemon pepper. And after the first interrogation, I went back to my dorm, called a certain amount of numbers, got in touch with them. I'm on the phone with him. He's eating wings free and I'm in Jalen, Louisiana. I was like, oh, so we switched places. Oh, okay. Hmm. You got out. Okay gotta give it to you that was that was good you know like I didn't believe him he got out and so it was because of the legal system's mistake but still he knew to think of that and to meet someone and convince them that fast I think he paid a couple thousand to bond him out wow to, to I can't even imagine being a stranger. someone yeah a stranger yeah young naive like hustler but he told him whatever he needed to tell him to get him to put this money and got out and it's like I, dang, I had a buddy so in prison who met a guy in prison it's actually my, my, my buddy. Yeah. This was, yeah. He was in a jail too. This was a, actually Zach. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen uh, yes. the black guy. Yeah. My met, a, met a guy. Yeah, exactly. My guy, <laughs> uh, my, he met someone in jail for a few weeks. The guy was getting out and he convinced him when you get out, bomb me out. And the guy was like, okay. And he, you know, mm -hmm. and he did, he got out and I forget what his bail was. The guy put up whatever, five, $10,000 to, to bail him out and bail them out. Mm -hmm. so anyway that's, I mean, yeah that's, that's insane like, yeah the mindset is like if you got it do it because it'll come through for you if not them through someone else it's like just do it, it and that's how i've done i've taken leaps of faith with money and that i knew they were never going to pay me back but i just knew someone's going to do this for me someday like the girl helping me with my commissary she could have kept that money to herself she needed to set that money back she had a long time to do so she needed to set that money back because 
even whenever you get to prison, you might go months and months, years and years without getting any money. You don't know when your money's going to stop coming. Like what happened? So you were interrogated. You get lip gloss and earrings. Okay. Like that's all. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, my, uh, <laughs> okay. So I made it through interrogation. They didn't suspect it. It was me. I'm like, yes, I got this secret. And like the, the chief of police, I remember he looked like Morgan Freeman and he, he loved me. I, he, he, it was like a love hate relationship. And he, he actually, he told me there was a photo of me with like a tech nine and he told me that it was on his bulletin board. And that was like his trophy. Like he got me, he found, you know what I mean? Like he was going to get me, you know, it's like, Oh, it's kind of cool. <laughs> Anyways, you know, that's why I posted it up on social media. Like anyone can do whatever they want with it, but that's like just a story so to look back on. But yeah, so he, okay. I wouldn't give him what he wanted to know, but he, I remember he got his daughter to give me a sweater to go in with. And he made sure that I got my numbers for my credit card. I think he gave me a little bit of cash too. Like he did things to make sure that I was going to be okay a little bit that he didn't have to do. And I really appreciated him. So we had like a, a rapport, you know, and go ahead. I was gonna say at some point they figured out that you were involved, right? I'm assuming. Um, yeah. The accomplice actually told on me. No. Yeah, he had like the other guy I, that you broke out. Yeah, he had like a like teen teen amount of of years. He had a long time left, and so I gave him five days of freedom. Just like a simple like delicious meal is like gold. You know what I mean? Like just right. I gave him this freedom, and he told on me because he was scared and wanted to get his time shortened. Like they he broke during interrogation and cried and told like I just couldn't believe it. I was upset, and it's like that's how it works. That's how it goes. Like he shouldn't have brought anyone course he's gonna tell he was crying at one point when he called his sister and she was like oh what are you doing you're gonna get killed blah 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 she's screaming at him making him cry i'm like oh he's telling he's telling he's crying in front of stranger like he's oh we're we're we're, we're screwed i remember telling him it's like steven this guy's crying right now are you serious like what who is this that you brought like what do you mean like stop so, i'm like smacking like stop crying. i used to get like hit for crying so there was no no we're not crying we don't cry yeah what happens? So, the cops come back in, they they pull you back, they look, we know, we got you, we're charging yeah. you with escape. They were they were threatening me with enhancing the charge because of the amount of damage that I did to the property. I wanted I want to say like 90 grand. For cutting some fence? Yeah. I guess that was the whole price of the all the fencing or something. You know what I mean? Like they just jacked it as high as that any little thing like, oh, whole fence is ruined. It's got to be redone. It's that's it. It's, this is how much it is. But then you gotta think about what what he did to get out. I don't know. So maybe that's my responsibility too, because you know, technically I did help with it all. So and so I'm just trying to stick to my guns because I know the longer I wait, the lower the offers are going to to get until I'm gonna get something that's that's doable. I was thinking three years tops. Maybe I can get a year or two years, something like that is like, okay, I can deal with that. I can do that. I had like maxed out commissary, maxed out phone calls. I had everything. Like I was even though, okay. So my bond was a quarter million. Yeah. yeah so nobody's uh, running to get you out of jail. Yeah. My, I called my dad and he said, so how much is your bond? I said a quarter million. He said, what? 5 million. I said, no, a quarter million, but it might as well be 5 million. Right. Yeah. Just wait it out. This is part of the life. You know, this is what you do. You just, you go, you do your time, you, you fight when you have to, you, you know, you take showers in public, you, you shit right next elbow to elbow. It's just, that's what we do. And as long as I got some coffee, you know what I'm saying? Some, you know, my commissary, whatever, it's all good. I got my phone calls. What did you, what did you end up getting? Okay. So I got a split sentence with a year of hard labor suspend to, I got three years suspend to 
do one year of hard labor, do 30% of your time, 35% of your time. So by the time I signed my plea deal, I'd already done it. Leave, leave. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's hard labor. What does that mean? Hard hard labor labor is, is, you know, work camps or, you know, just working or whatever. Of course I can't go to a work camp. That was suspended. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I actually was surprised on my birthday. I got called. I thought I was getting released. I got called to go to prison. I got shipped to prison to prison on the day of my birthday. And I was like, what? But, you know, they have to get you through the DOC. They have to do the intake, become DOC property. They got to get you through, you know, do the the paperwork and the process or whatever. So I ended up doing about a month in, in Louisiana DOC in maximum security with the killers, you know, shout out to D cell. (laughs) So my girl tequila Monroe, my, my celly, you know, she was doing like a 25 year sentence for stabbing her boyfriend in the neck. He bled out in 11 seconds. That was my girl. Yeah. Tequila Moreau. But yeah. Dog my dog. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, because of my charge, people liked me. And, you know, so whenever you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that nobody you... else probably. Did you meet anybody else that had that charge? Oh, no. What's the no. actual charge? Is it conspiracy assisting, to. No, assisting escape. And it's a first degree felony, you know. Didn't think that one through, but it's, you know, it's, it's a severe charge and it's, it's going to follow you. So yeah, I had, actually, I was grateful for the, the, you know, the HO, what the HO5 security to where I could have a cell and I wouldn't have to be in an open bay dorm. So that was nice, you know, quiet, the privacy, the little cozy, comfy, you know, and it was just, it was, it had its perks, you know, and it had its downfalls or whatever. The food I'm surprised was actually good. Like whenever I got called to get released, I like finished my chicken nuggets. I was like, wait, I'm almost done eating. Just hold on. I got a couple of nuggets left. I'm going just, <laughs> you know, but I remember we would have to fan our food with one hand while we're eating. And like, if you say one word, the guard will just like grab your tray and like slam it. Like it was, it was just crazy, but it was very different than Florida. And I was just like, I remember one day, like going out on the rec yard and just, I'm pacing, I'm walking. And I'm scared, but I'm I'm going, I'm doing it. And I remember it just, it looked like, it was like this song, welcome to the jungle. And it was just like a thousand women on the rec yard. Like some of these women were tatted up, gold teeth, smelled good, looked like mint. Like I was like, oh, it, it was intimidating. It was very different. Like so, for real. Okay. So when you got out, when um, you got out, did you, you went back to Florida? Oh, well, that would have been nice if I could have gone back to Florida, but I, you know, so thankfully, Katrina, I love you. I met a really like a sweetheart in jail and she's just like, has this bleeding heart, wants to help everyone. She's like, oh, me and my husband own a restaurant. You can come stay with me. You can come stay with me. You get it. You can come stay. You can come stay. You can come stay. You have a place. You have a place. You have a place. You know, she, she like filtered a few women that she met through there. I was like the second girl to come through and eventually leave, you know, but I was so kind of her, but yeah. So these strangers that I hadn't talked to in three months said that I could, should give me a number to call. They'll come get me whenever I get released. I'm not going to ask my dad to come all the way to Louisiana to, for me to be stuck there. So I, I you know, it's like, figure it out, you know? So thank God. So here's the thing, the funny thing, Katrina did not want to tell anyone that her husband was a cop, right? Because she didn't want any enemies in jail. She right. was there for something stupid, like a domestic or a DUI, something stupid. And she's just like, they owned a restaurant. But he's also like, he had like a canine, something happened with the canine, attacked him, or but he was like kicking, something happened weird with the canine and them fighting. And it was like controversial to where like society was kind of like, what, what's up with y'all? 
but they, you know, they, he had done time for like cooking meth. He had done like 10 years, turned his life around when he got out, became a police officer. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's okay. It's normal. It's Louisiana. It's Louisiana. All right. Got it. Yeah. It's like actually like Northern Louisiana and Southern Louisiana is like two different worlds. You know, they're very like country and backwoods and Northern Southern. They're like, they got this attitude. They got this, this accent. They got this chip on their shoulder. They're very different, very different. They don't like each other actually. They talk completely different. It's, it's different. But you know, so the place that I was at is actually, if you, the TV show, what's it called? Duck Dynasty. That was the parish where I was housed. So yeah, like a lot of people, they're like, oh, my dad hunts with such and such, you know? So it's like normal that any, someone knew someone so, so small of a town who knew this guy from Duck Dynasty or did that. And it was just, but yeah, so that's the the only thing that I can think of to tell you where, where I was located was the country. But so yeah, the guy picked me up in like a canine uh, vehicle. And I'm like, Oh, I thought I was getting out. Like, what is this? What what are we doing? And I didn't even never met him. And it's, he was really nice. It was awkward, but they were willing to help me. And when'd you get back to Florida? How long before you were able to transfer to back to Florida or did you have to finish probation there? No, I had to wait on my interstate compact to clear. So it took about six weeks, but a girl that I became very close with in the county jail, not the Katrina, the one I was staying with, but another girl, man, we were like this, I guess you could call it a a prison wife or whatever. It's not necessarily that you're, sometimes they are gay, but it's it's the person that you shower together, you cook your your food together, you go to rec, you shop together, you you do everything together. It's your your companion. You read your letters to each other. You're just like this. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't, I never was gay in there. It just kind of, it's just like, it's dirty. It's mm, You don't know what she was like. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, mm, I just never went that way in there. It just wasn't. How, how long were you in prison or in jail? I, I ended up doing about a little over six months. Yeah. Okay. It seemed way longer. <laughs> the, the harsh living conditions, like we didn't have hot water for, I think like four and a half of those months. And mind you, it snows up there. It's almost like living outside. This place is so like dilapidated and, you know. I well, so. I didn't, I, I never think of Louisiana as, I always think of it as being hot and sweaty. Right. Yeah. No, Northern Louisiana snows. Yeah. It gets really cold at night. It can, you know, it, it's, it's cold, but yeah, I was the only inmate or, you know, convict or whatever that would stand under, under the tap. All the other girls would heat water bottles up in the microwave and shower with water bottles. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm getting clean. I'm standing under this tap. You get used to it after a while. And everyone would be like, oh my God, how does she do that? Like, no, I'm not showering with water bottles. You got to heat each one up. Like, oh, no, uh But yeah, that's, it's like, how is that even legal to have women showering with water bottles? Like, can I get a grievance? I, like, I, yeah, I don't think anybody's concerned about, you know, you're about a hot shower for a bunch of convicts, but, but I hear you, you know, having taken a cold shower and also to having taken a boiling, boiling hot shower that you couldn't even get out of the water it was so hot. Yeah. So, so you go back to, you go <laughs> back to, for. You, you go back to Florida, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you got a job. What, what, what were you doing in Florida? How long ago was this? Well, this happened in 2013. Okay, so I was born in 89 and I I turned 24. So what? 2000? No, turned 23. It was like 2013, 2014. 
but wait, my escapades are not done in Louisiana because my friend that I was like this, she got out three weeks after me. And we used right. to talk about all the stuff we were going to do and what we were like out there and the stuff we were interested in. And we were, we were going to have fun. Right. And so we ended up getting together and just hanging out and just having all these, like, you know, these escapades and these, we had a good time. We were, we were still really immature, but we had fun. And what, what else, anything else happened or you? So just, when I'm that assuming this was, is the, I'm assuming this is the, that was the end of your criminal career. Oh no, no, I hadn't caught, yet caught the hustle bug, but yeah, finally I went home to Panama city. I'm just wondering like what, what happened the next time you got in trouble? Like how, how did that? Oh my God. By, the, by three months home, I was raided by the feds at my Are hotel. I was crapping out of, yeah. All right. I caught the hustle bug. I mean, you started selling what? This is the, this is Coke. This is pills. This is. This time it was meth. And okay. this would be my main source of trade. This, this would be my expertise to where it wasn't enough of a problem for me to hinder my you know, my, my, my cash flow meth is like, okay, you only get this amount of time. It makes this amount of money. I'm good. I got this. I don't want to be on this part of the totem pole. I want to be on this part. We, you know what I mean? I caught the hustle, but we can maybe talk about this another time. Cause this actually story is, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. I would have a, quite a few more arrests. Um, honestly, like, I feel like this is enough to talk about another time. It's a really, okay. it's that's fine. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad my awkwardness yeah. went away. It's like it's flowing like I wanted it to. It's like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because this was my this was my identity. This was who I became. And like this is how I grew into myself. And like, you know, it's like, ooh, she was a meth dealer. And it's like, wait, I became self-sufficient and independent. And I finally grew up and supported myself by myself with no one's help. It's the hustle bug. It's 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 an addiction in itself. And I'm which I'm sure you've heard. And I'm sure Jess has definitely caught me the hustle bug, but you know, respect to Jess. I, I'm a big fan, but she's great. But yeah, you know, she understands. And it's like, God, a meth dealer. It's like, oh, this, the word sounds so bad, but it's like, man, it just made sense at the time, you know? But yeah, um, let's just say, okay, so I'm back home, got the interstate compact. I'm going to do right. I got plans for the future. I actually enrolled in, in um, Phoenix um, University online uh, school. Um, and so my mom... We were like, like tug of war with a bowl of spaghetti arguing. And it's just like, really? So I, I'm kicked out three weeks. My dad gave me $20, the keys to his like Jeep Grand Cherokee. And he said, figure it out. I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay. You know, and it's like, I'm the last person to want to ask someone for help. But I ended up just bouncing around a couple of places, finally getting like a hotel room, blah, blah, blah. So the guy that bonded Steven out, he ended up, he would become my boyfriend, right? Oh, there's so much going on too, because around that time of me first getting released, now Jeremiah was free the whole time that I was locked up. He got, he violated bond for being late to court. The day I got released, he got locked up. But he took, he held me down, took care of me too. I had a few guys that I could call and I had plenty of money flowing to me in all directions that I could turn to. You know, he owed me as far as I was concerned. So I don't even, I didn't even have to be nice to him. Like I would cuss him out. Is yeah, this okay. a stop point? So yeah, three weeks out, my, I'm kicked out. I got $20 and the keys and the guy ended up getting me an eight ball. And the first one that I was like, oh, I'm all out. He's like, what, what do you mean you're out? I just got you an eight ball. Like he just, the way he looked at me, I will never forget. It's something just clink. It just clicked in me. Like he looked at me like I was an absolute dumbass. 
how are you broke and you're all out of dope? I got you an eight ball. That's three and a half grams. You're only going to be able to do so much within a certain amount of time. You can sell this, this, and this and have money, more dope, like the same amount of dope with extra cash. Like, what do you mean? Like you should have an extra, at least $300 and the same amount of dope again. Right? Like what? And I was like, oh, this is never going to, you're never going to look at me like this again. I promise you, I'm going to re-up and have cash. I'm going to have somewhere to be. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand the feeling that he gave me by looking at me like, what do you mean? You're, I just got you an eight. And this is back whenever eight balls were like at least $300. So it was like, he was mad, but yeah. So we can, if you want to pick up some other time and just, you know, I mean, Hello. that's what you said. I, I didn't realize there was a whole second act. So yeah, I told I, you. Remember? All right. Yeah. Well, listen. I appreciate you coming on. We'll do a part two, and then we'll have so then we'll have two parts, and then we'll have Colby combine those two parts and have one long one. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and we are back with Danica Darley, and we are going to be going over the rest of her story. So we're gonna do a quick recap and. I appreciate you guys uh, checking out the video. Can you recap what we what we talked about? I had helped the boyfriend get out of prison. You know, the the con artist one, the one that was very convincing, helped him get out. We were on the run for a few days. We got locked up right away. He he bonded back out. Real quick, did they end up catching him? They did. They did. I'm trying to think of how long he was out and how he got caught. Oh, I can't remember how. Oh, I want to say it might've been like a, a week or two. It wasn't long, but remember the girl that they used to go through her to catch him. I, and I, I remember now. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just like a regular thing for him. Cause that's how his mind works. So it's normal for him, but other people don't even try. Oh, it's listen, crazy. Jess, Jess has a friend uh, named Thomas who always runs from the police, whether he's got a warrant or not, he doesn't yep. pull over. He always runs. He doesn't answer the door. He always, don't even care. Yeah, he just, He's like, I just, I just won't, I won't, won't do it. That's crazy. If he can escape, he'll escape. People have problems. So, <laughs> so, so they caught the guy. They caught, they, they caught the guy and they shipped him back. Name? What uh, was his Steve, name? Okay. So they caught Steven and you're out. So what you got out of jail, you went yes, to jail. I got, of, I got out of jail. I had a split sentence. I got three years to spend two, serve one. So basically do my 35% and I get out on parole, right? So I, I would have the rest of that year on parole. So it's not like getting your probation switched because I was from Florida. I had to go back to Florida, right? I didn't know anyone in Louisiana except for him. I didn't have family there. I didn't have friends there. He didn't have any family that, that I knew like that to be able to stay with. So, I'll, you know, I just stayed with this nice girl that just randomly out of the kindness of her heart said, here's my number. Call me when you get out. You can come stay with me. I know you're going to be stuck. You're stranded. You don't have any, you know what I mean? You don't have anyone. So, so you're back in Florida. Okay. You started working. And I, I actually did start a real job at a restaurant, which is right around the corner from my parents' house. But whenever me and my mom had that argument and I had to leave, I didn't, I didn't have the chance to get a vehicle yet. The vehicle that I had, my aunt, you know, she had a lien on it. I hadn't finished paying her off. So she sold that vehicle. I didn't have a vehicle. My dad gave me his keys, but he would only let me use his car for a few days, and which was so kind of him to do that. And I kind of didn't really have much of a choice, but to hustle at that time. You know what I mean? And I was already like in the lifestyle, in the culture, doing it, hanging around people on it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like 
because of my bad choices, I had no choice. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, I, I was watching a podcast of yours and this, he's like, the guy said, he's like, yeah, I started with an eight ball. Then I got a quarter and, you know, you just keep, keep re-upping and paying, you know, your means. And, but for me, this was my first time providing for myself without, you know, having someone that I could lean on like a boyfriend or, you know, my sister that I would stay with sometimes, like I, I was by myself completely. The hustling kept me from being depressed, honestly. It kept me focused. It kept, it kept me, it kept me distracted from, you know, the issues that I was going through. It was just like, okay, well, if I focus on this and I'm making something happen, everything else will be okay. It, it, it turned, it put my brain in a different mode, a different way of operating. It was just, it's hard to explain, but it, and that's when, you know, the guy that I was talking about, he, he said, the hustle bug, you got bit by the hustle bug. And I mean, I can't think of many other better terms to, to call it, you know what I mean? Because I had hustled a little bit whenever I was younger, but I never had felt the thirst and the need and the, it's just, it takes over. So, so did you get your yeah. own place? I would get a week at a time at one hotel and then halfway during the week, I would get another week at the place across the street and in order to like try and keep the attention off of me I would move my stuff to the other one and then I would trap out of that one and sleep in the other one kind of like blow it up and let it just you know what I mean let it go and then I would sleep in the other one that was safe that didn't have traffic right right so that was my little method of just bouncing around I felt more safe than just staying in one and trapping out because even if you walk and you go other places, it's like people watch, people pay attention, things happen. You know what I mean? It's like at least have a safe spot. And then, you know, and then I, whenever I would be over there and the other place would run out, I would start chopping out of that one and get another room up. <laughs> yeah, that was my, that was my, anyways, that's so crazy that I used to think these ways. I hadn't done anything to cause attention to myself by the police on this arrest that I got that where I violated my, um, my parole. What had happened was... And whenever you hear someone say what had happened was, like, brace <laughs> yourself, okay? Because right. it's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, what what did you do? What ha what had happened? Right. Okay, so what had happened was, um, I, wa I was, man, I wish you could interview this guy. He was on federal probation and he had warrants for violating. I can't remember what he did to violate, but him and his buddy who were also, I believe, was on federal probation, just decided to go and commandeer jet skis and you know just party and just hang out or whatever and one thing led to another and like somehow they ended up in in my company and i remember just thinking like y'all are dumb you're on probation and you're doing stuff like that like whatever you know and just like we were just riding around doing whatever going to the hotel rooms and they actually got a hotel room at the right next door to our hotel room and for 24 hours they did surveillance like <laughs> And so what? They were watching these two guys and they picked up on you and then they ended up arresting you also? Yeah. So, yeah. They brought heat I, on you. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't even doing anything, man. You, see, you said you were selling drugs out of a hotel room. I know, but I'm, I was selling very small amounts. You know what I mean? Like it's not <laughs> enough for the- Still illegal. I know, but the feds don't care about me. My, my type of, my- where I'm on the totem pole, that's why I stay right here where I just get like an ounce every 24 hours. No more. The most I've sold in, in a day is like a quarter ounce. And I, I don't like to do that's That scares me because I don't, these guys are getting seven to 10 years in the feds. No, no, mm -mm, right. not me. I'm going to go do a little, just a little bit of time. I'm, I'm okay. You know, just a little bit. So that they, no they arrested you? <laughs> huh? They arrested okay, you? Okay, so 
before we got arrested. So if there, if I had any issues with rooms, this was, this was the place that I was at for a little over two months that I was at this place back and forth. So they knew me, right? There was some issue with the room that I didn't like it. And I wanted to switch rooms. And I was at the, I was at the front desk and my friend, this girl that hustled with me, shout out to Liz. I love you so much. She's, she's a, she's a beast, but she was standing next to me. And whenever I was trying to get my room switched, you should have seen the girl that was on the computer. You should have seen her face. Like there's nothing that you can't talk yourself out of that type of paranoia because the face that she made when she was trying to switch my room, come to find out later on, it said not to move my room because I was being surveilled by the feds. I mean, did she move the room? Uh, No, they wouldn't move me. It was like a, it was like a do not move order. You know what I mean? Like stamped on my forehead. You know, they say I'm skittish. I like to take off or whatever, but. So what? Okay, so what happened? And that's another thing. You know, I was talking about whenever I was younger, like getting away with stuff. So that's another thing why I would stay at the same like like level on the totem pole or the weight class that I would be willing to have on me because, okay, how can I get rid of this or can I can I can I put it in my prison purse or like you know make sure that I don't get caught with anything? Right. That that was my main goal. So I used to have little scales that were like a little matchbox, and I ordered them from China. And they fit in my bra, little tiny, cutest little scales. But I always had ones that you couldn't find because scales are charges too. And it was important for me, for the marketing, for it to be, you know, like have nice, cute, like bags with like cute little designs on them or just that it weighed what it was supposed to. My stuff, I never cut it. It was important for me to do good business because in my head, I'm reasoning that, okay, as long as I'm doing good business and I'm honest, then that'll, that'll count for something in my karma. You know what I mean? Like, so, so they arrested you. They arrested me and uh, okay, so, where did they arrest you and how? Okay. So we were in the, the hotel on the second floor and I'm trying to think of who was where, or I can't even remember what they said or how, how they knocked or whatever. But I know that I remember the police officer or the, the main, see, I don't even know the terms for the federal the FBI or DEA. You know, that's a good question. I, I guess, I guess FBI. Okay. He had federal probation. I'm not sure. Anyways, well, oh, um, is that a U.S. Marshal? Those are U.S. Marshals, then they would have come to get him. Well, there like was, was a lot of people. Okay, so yeah. anyway, so there's some federal agents, probably some U.S. Marshals. Federal at this time of my using meth, I was really into doing like what's called a hot rail. I just thought it was so cool, like just pr- the process of turning powder into smoke. So you snort a line and you blow out a cloud, you know. And I just thought that was okay. like a cool party trick, you know what I mean? So. I had a ton of hot rail tubes and the cop was like, or the marshal or whatever, he was very apologetic in having to arrest me. He, I could tell he really did not want to charge me with anything. Like he felt really bad and I was crying. I was like, I'm violating parole. I'm going back to prison for about two years. You know, I was very sad and cause I really was, I was trying, I, I was, you know, it's just like, dang it, man. I feel like you were selling drugs and you weren't trying. Well, <laughs> I I, more like I was trying not to get caught. That's oh, you know, what? I, I think I was going to buy a car. I was like, I had the money saved up for a car, you know, it's, it's just to have worked like that and to scraped up like something from nothing and to have like, wait, this is what I have. I had like a thousand dollars for a car, like little thousand dollar car. I was just trying to figure it out and survive. I've never been, I'm out in the world on my own. I've never done that before. And that was where I was at. So I was at least going to try and plead my case. To me, like what what they caught me with, the amount that I'm dealing with, I'm nothing. I'm I'm nothing. I'm I'm a small fish. They have way big bigger fish to fry, you know. So anyway, he re- arrested him, 
And I remember whenever, oh, I remember how we got arrested. It was like four vehicles on, on all sides. They like all of a sudden at the stoplight, like it's like put his car in reverse and like backed up on us and the, all the cars like came in on and assault rifles and it was just crazy like I can't believe like they knew that he how he was and they knew that he could possibly try and have a high-speed chase or whatever so they really took precautions and making sure that we couldn't get away with the vehicle that we were in right god that was terrifying yeah we were in a it was a moving van that he had rented I guess and just decided he wasn't going to turn back in Oh, I just remembered a really cool part. This is really cool. Man, he just has like these quirks and these little habits and- Who is just, this? Just, okay, so his name's Billy Buchanan. Right. And he's just really super funny and just stupid and just charismatic. Just everybody knows him. So, but, so yeah, whenever we were having our um, journey together or whatever, the few days we were hanging out, he was like, oh, Danica, do you want to put anything in this? Well, I got it open and he had a computer tower with the side of the a side panel taken off of it. And he had like various paraphernalia that he had stored up in the computer tower. And I was like, hey, that's a good idea. There was stuff in that computer tower, basically, and it didn't get taken or confiscated. And after he got arrested, he actually got his mother to meet up with me and give me an eight ball whenever I got out. I thought that was very nice. He just asked for like 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or something, but yeah, no, I think he just asked for 50, for 50 bucks. I really appreciated that eight ball. thought that was yeah. so sweet of her. That was gangster. You know what I mean? Like she understood. She wasn't cool with that stuff, but she understood, you know, what we had to go through in the life that we chose. So, so you got arrested, you were processed. Did they hold you? Did they uh, charge yes, you? They did. After they arrested us in traffic, they, we had to, oh man, we had to sit in the squad cars forever waiting on a warrant. I almost for a little while was starting to think that we might get away with not having to be uh, raided because they got him, right? It's so funny too, because it's like, they know what, what he's been charged with last and they're, they're briefed and filled in on, on what, you know, his past has been. And it's like, we really don't have anything like, thank God. And that's what, that's what I was pleading for him for is that he didn't have anything in here. The only reason I'm here is because I was trying to help my friend out and there, he really wasn't, he, like I said, he had an eight ball. He didn't have pounds of ice. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't a, a huge drug dealer. We were just partying. You know what I mean? Like, anyways, I was very upset to have to be in that type of trouble for something, just helping a friend, you know? And that's why I was pleading with him and begging him is because they went into my room and I'm having to go to jail but it was because he had a warrant and it's like, it was messy. He felt bad. He did. But he said, okay. since I had to call the judge and get the search warrant, I'm going to have to charge you with something. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it easy on you. Okay. So he left GHB in the refrigerator. He left a bottle of steroids in the refrigerator. I want to say he left some like hot rail tubes or like, he didn't take all my paraphernalia. He only took like a bowl or something. Like he left like a few charges in that hotel room or whatever. So they didn't take you downtown? <laughs> They did. They did. Did you bond out? So here's the thing. This was whenever the, the police officer, he went, he went in the trunk of the car and he got my purse out and he got me, he got me Sonic. He got, I got chicken tenders and a milkshake and I wasn't even hungry. I was, I was sick to my stomach, you know, but I was going to take the chance to eat something good if I could. And just, he was really cool. He was really cool. And we had, we had a good talk, you know, on, we, we were just vibing on the way to the jail or whatever. He wasn't a federal, he, he came and picked me up from the, federal people. <laughs> so what happened when you got downtown? Did they charge you? Did you get bonded out? Did Okay, you so I got charged, like I said, with the paraphernalia and the possession. And 
I had a hold because of my parole, right? It doesn't really matter what the the county jail, like they, it's not their job to, like they, they're going to hold me and see what, what Louisiana says. It's up to Louisiana if they want to extradite me, right? So you have a certain amount of days legally that you can sit there and wait on them to come get you. So I was just asking around and hearing around, like certain states are very um, strict about extradition or whatever, you know, the extradition laws are different in different countries, different states and whatever. So I'm stressed out, my, you know, every, my mind's going a million, you know, it's just crazy. I was very stressed out and just thinking I'm going back to prison. That was what I was like. I was like, I just thought for sure. Did Louisiana come get you? They did not. So they, not they, they took the hold off. They took the, they took the hold off. And so I went to court and they, they gave me time served. Okay. Yeah. Cause I did the 30 days. You know what? I think he just tried, no, he just charged me with paraphernalia. He didn't give me a felony. Yeah. And that's why they didn't come get me. Cause it was a paraphernalia. That's what, yeah. Cause he, remember I told you he felt bad, but he had to arrest me for something. That's what that was. It was a paraphernalia charge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then whenever I got out, I found out through Louisiana that my, my probation, not only did I not have to make any of my, any more payments of the two, like about two more years that I was supposed to be on probation, but they, what's it called? It's a certain, it's a supervision. There's a word for it, but it's basically like, don't get in trouble and we won't arrest you. Oh yeah. So it's like administrative supervision. You don't have to check in. Still on probation, but they're not going to bother you. Yeah. You don't have to check in. But if you get yeah. in trouble, now you're in more trouble. Yeah. Yes. So just, yeah. Right. Okay. So it was like getting in trouble got me out of trouble. Right. Right. I mean. Oh, you know, anyways. you know, Bo, you know, Boziak, he's never exactly successfully completed uh, a probation. Yeah. And he's been on probation. That, that's happened to him before. They said he yeah, was they, unsupervisable. They just, yeah. I heard just, that. He gets arrested. He gets in trouble. They just, they, mm -hmm. they arrest him. They let him out. They arrest him. They let him out. They violate him. They let him out. And then they go, okay, that's it. We're done. Just. Yeah. Shout out to Boziak. Yeah. But so when you got out, what did you do? Did you get a regular job? I'm really not just, you know, complete scum. Like I want to do good. I want to get my life together. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, the solution for my situation would be instead of chopping out of hotel rooms, if I hustle out of an apartment where I pay bills and have a vehicle, then I can go undetected. That's what I'm going to do. So that was my solution. Yep. That was my solution. And how did it so, work? <laughs> the, the guy that, the one that I originally moved away and ran away from, his family, I was very close with, and they allowed me to come stay at their house. Within like, I, I think it was about four weeks, I had enough money to move into a little crappy little apartment in, you know, my favorite bad part of town. And I had my little place and it was in my name. And I told the landlord that I was a server. He bought it and it was 175 a week. And it was, it was 175 down 175 a week. So I actually ended up having more, like more money than I needed, which was a relief. And that's definitely, it was way cheaper than the hotels I was paying. So that was actually like something that even if you have to stop hustling for some reason, you can still scrape up that 175 some way or another, you know, it's right. like, yeah, that was really a, a huge blessing for me because I just needed my, my own space or whatever. So it had a back door. It had an alleyway. I was, I was hyped about that, you know, like plenty of escape routes, plenty of, you know, exits. And you just feel a little bit safer whenever it's like that. You know what I mean? Because the cops don't know to go around the back and wait. No, not the cops. Just like any situation that goes oh. down, you have double the chance of getting away. Okay. You, well, you, you have a chance. 
So I'm so careful and paranoid. Like the only times that I have gotten places rated or places I've been rated is not on my behalf of my actions. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to have cops waiting behind someplace for me. So yeah, I had my place and, you know, I was hustling and I was just trying to, you know, get by and, and, and all that. And so, oh, and I forgot to say that. So the guy that I was talking about that I guess we could call, okay. So Jeremiah, he got arrested the day that I got released, which is like, it's so crazy. Like what are the odds? He was late to court. He couldn't find his keys and he violated parole. That's crazy. So his case was going on during this time. Right. And we weren't together as a couple, but we were, you know, in contact all the time because he sent me money, had me on the phone. Like, so I was doing the same thing for him, but we we're just friends. So his case is going on and he got sentenced to 15 years. Yeah. 15 years for trafficking, two trafficking charges. He had, I want to say they were all consecutive. He got a few 15 year sentences, but they were ran. Is that con con concurrent or consecutive? They're, they're not one after the other. They're together. Right. It was really sad. You know, I remember having to like call his mother and like let her know what he was sentenced to. I went and spoke on his behalf, just did whatever I could in his case to help him. And, you know, I know that, you know, I, you know, he asked me to look out for him if, if he ever needed it. And so I felt that I owed it to him. And yeah, so he got 15 years and I remember people really switched up and changed whenever that people started hearing about it. Now, keep in mind this guy, I don't know why his theory is that, okay. So the reason that he's so publicized in the media, like his court dates, his, his sentencing to this, this last sentencing was on the news. He thinks that it's because his first big case is that he emptied a Mac 11 clip like fully emptied it into someone's house or whatever. And he is like an 18 year old kid dresses like preppy and polo and just, but anyway, so he has all this time and he's already like discussing his appeal. Oh, we're going to do this and that. And he just speaks with such a uh, conviction. He just gave me some type of, of guidance and mentorship. You know, it was not good. It was not positive, but it was something, it was some type of a direction. And that's what I leaned into. Right. I'm trying to think of how to like mold everything the way that circumstances like unfolded to where we were doing the Chang Yang hustle. Cause it just, ha I mean, I got deeper into the, the meth world of, of hustling and like getting the plugs with the better prices and the bigger weights and the, just the craziness. And then people, there was an indictment that I think it was 95 or 85 people got indicted for a meth conspiracy. And I have no idea how I didn't get indicted because every single person that I dealt with got indicted. I did not. And I was so terrified. Whew, I'm getting nervous right now. And at one point I ended up going back to jail and I spent, I think another month in there. If you spend a month in jail, your clientele is gone. They're going to go find someone else. You know right. what I mean? They're, they're, they're going to have loyalty to you as long as you take care of them and your, you know, your product is good, but they can only wait for you for so long. They need their drugs. So they're going to go right. elsewhere. So even if you have work, when you get out, you're going to have to rebuild your clientele, you know, and you're going to have to have a consistent supply. It's very hard to, to stay a drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like anyone can, can get a bag of drugs and like find someone that'll buy it. Right. But to consistently stay a drug dealer and by drug dealer, I mean like pay your bills and have a consistent inflow of, you know, re-upping and making sure that that money is providing for you. And, you know, if the law enforcement doesn't take you down, then the, the drug culture will, whether it's someone, you know, the violence, 
man, I've had some, I've been through some shit, getting robbed, getting busted, getting told on, getting set up. It's so, it's cutthroat. It's a, it's a jungle out there. I remember one time I took this girl that, that I became friends with. I would, I had this habit of taking, you know, girls that I saw that were like kind of lost out there and just needing help and like taking them under my wing and showing them here, look, this is how you do this. You know, this is how you I'll teach them how to weigh up their dope. You know, I'd give them an eight ball, teach them how to weigh it, give them scales, give them bags. So yeah, I, I taught this girl, you know, the little stuff that she needed to know in the beginning. Yeah, she, I, maybe she didn't get bit by the hustle bug or whatever. But anyways, this girl ripped me off for the eight ball. And I think a couple other people like had shorted me. And I was to the point where I couldn't, I didn't have enough to re-up and I couldn't find any other resources. So I remember being on the phone with Jeremiah and like, you know, he wasn't just like Steven, just taking my every dollar and, or like James, just cussing me out and treating me like shit. He was supporting me and trying to help me out. You know what I mean? He wasn't manipulating and well, he was manipulating and using me, but we were both getting something out of it. Right. So I was going to say, did he give you a, a connect? So he told me where he had a gun hidden and some, some steroids and uh, yeah, it was hidden under an abandoned house. You know, he's like, you can sell the, sell the gun. And then he told me, I can't tell him. Oh, he wanted me to hide the steroids for him. So I did that. And I remember, <laughs> let me backtrack. Okay. So I remember dressing in all black because he told me, cause I was going in like the, you know, a little bit like the evening a little bit, but not quite dark. And I remember thinking, like thinking of that, that saying we dress in all black for the big jobs. And I was like, wow, yeah, we do, you know? And I was just, so yeah, I went and got, it was like a little backpacker, like a little fanny, fanny pack type thing. I crawled under this abandoned house that was across the street from his parents' house. And I was so terrified, like pulling myself between the, the beams that were like holding this old house up. Oh my God. It was so dirty and scary and cobwebs. It was horrible. But I was glad that I was able to, I was going to be able to go re-up. This is all I had to do. We're good. I don't even have to sell the gun. I can bring it to her. It was one of those moments where you're just like, oh, I don't know if anybody doesn't like spiders or bugs or whatever, but it's just like where the, where the, where things go bump in the night. That's where I was at. Or, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm just Let's saying like moving. this guy. Let's keep he moving. He's, he's, an, okay. he's a knucklehead. Let's keep moving. Okay. What's up? Anyway. Okay. So a friend of mine's that I went to go see she had like these costumes that she was playing in and I put a TR on and I took a selfie that night. And then later on after that, I, this guy that had owed me like $50, just quit taking my phone calls, you know, quit answering me. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to go over there and see what, what this is about because all these people, it's starting to add up, you know, like a lot of people say, well, what's the problem with $50? The problem is when 10 different people owe you $50, it adds up. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, you can't, like, you got to think about, you're not my only customer. You know what I mean? And you have no idea what other people, what, what's happened to them. You know what I mean? And this is why people don't front, you know? And so, yeah, I went over there to see what was up with him and like, what was the deal? Because I had had it up to here that day. I was, it was one of them days. It was a very long day. And I kicked Did, his, Was I he there? He was there and he was, I don't know. He's like, like out of it. He actually ended up passing away very shortly after that. He was like, I don't, I saw him. I didn't realize he was there until I was leaving the house with the, with the laptop, but I ended up kicking the door down the back door. Like I kicked it open with a TR on and I took his laptop and I was like, I just kicked someone's door open and, and took their laptop. It, I mean, he, he did not pay me back when he said he was going to pay me back and he left me no choice. And you know what I did to that girl who, who ripped me off for that eight ball? 
whenever I went to go get my money from her and she didn't have any money for me, she tried to give me a little bit of scoop. Like her, she had her, she had someone bring me out a little bit of scoop. So I went in her car and I took her car stereo out of her car. Like I, I had to do these things this day. I did so many crimes that day and I was just, I didn't want to have to do it, but I had to, that was a very long day, but yeah, the tiara just topped it off. And when's the next time you got arrested? I'm going to get arrested again and, and bond right out. And then while I'm what out, on bond, what's the other rest for Um, the other. Okay. So, so when the indictment happened, okay. When, when the indictment happened, that, this is whenever I had to stop selling dope and I, and I went broke and I, and I lost my clientele out of choice. You know what I mean? And it was very hard because, you know, you still have a habit. You don't have money to support it. You don't, you lose your place to live because of whatever reason. And it's like, everything just goes bad. And it's like, wow, you have no nest egg. You have no plan. Like you're, this is when reality is setting in and it's not fun. It's not a party anymore. And I remember the bondsman, he was a, a really cool guy. He was very nice to me. He, he liked me. I could tell he was entertained by me. Like he was like, he would just smile at me and just like shake his head. Like he, you know, it was just an understanding that we had. And, and I appreciated, you know, that. And that's another thing too, like the power that came with it. And I, you know, I, I know I wasn't a huge drug lord, but a lot of times for people, they can only get, okay, they can make money in many ways, but they can only get drugs from this person so it's very important they need it. So a lot of times it can become more valuable than currency, you know, and when you're getting it at wholesale, you know, and you're selling it for, you know, retail price, you know, you're, you're making whatever, you know, however little you don't want to make or however much you want to make. Like I had one lady that I would buy, you know, at a certain price and I would sell it to her each gram at top dollar, 120 a gram. And I would, I would literally be able to go re up and like, like double it, She'd buy like seven grams at 120 a gram. It was just crazy the way that you can, you know, do the math with this particular, you know, the, the way the market works for this particular substance, you know what I mean? So, so yeah. Do you want me to get into like the chain gang hustle at all? Yeah. I mean, that's, okay, I yeah. thought that's what we were leading up to. Well, well, you know, whenever the next time that I go to jail is kind of towards the end and whenever I would go, go to prison again. And then that was okay. like, because after this last prison sentence, I, I refuse to be a drug dealer. I won't right. do it. Yeah. Me and God, you me only and God. Circus, only took multiple arrests yeah. and a couple prison sentences. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what anyways. happened? Chain gang hustle. What's that? Okay. I love that. sounds so like. I don't know. It just sounds funny to me. Chain gang hustle. Like a what? A chain gang hustle. Sounds like so, a rap um, <laughs> So the drug culture is, is it's not socially accepted. It's, it's frowned upon. It's whatever, you know, people do it in the shadows. They do it behind closed doors, or at least they try to, you know, it's just something you don't just bust out in the open. Right. So that's a subculture. That's a cult. That's a, you know, a subculture where there's even cultures that are more you know, quiet and watched and kept beneath that, you know, and it's like, it's, it, let me tell you something about the chain gang hustle. It is way more profitable and it's way safer. It's crazy. And uh, it's crazy how these things, <laughs> how these things work. And of course, you know, I'm not allowed to visit the prisons because I have assisting escape. Right. So I was relieved that I had this charge. So I wouldn't be the, have to be the donkey going to visit him. Right. So the girlfriend that he had gone on to next, she, I know she went a couple times. I don't know if she brought anything or not, or not. I don't know the details. She, I'm pretty sure she, yeah, of course she did. But 
I'm just glad that I didn't have to deal with that because that ain't it. But so I'm just like, okay, I don't have to touch anything, but I can like supply it. I've sent everything from tattoo ink. I remember putting it in the eyedrop bottles, buying it from one of my customers was a tattoo artist. And I, I sent in like gray and, and black ink and yeah. So, and I've sent in, I've sent in steroids. I've sent in any type of drug that you can think of. And, but the drug that everyone really wants in there is Tucci, what they call Tucci is the fake weed right? or the K2 or whatever. And I don't know why it, it's specifically in jail that they, or prison that they love it so much. And you know, the guys that are just getting out, a lot of them, they'll have like a, their little Tucci plug and they're still like smoking their Tucci. And you can tell if someone's a Tucci head, if they have like the resin on their fingers, right? Um, the joint, like staining their, it's crazy. So, and it's like, that is not fake weed. The way that it makes people act. And I don't, I'm sure you've seen them, you know, in prison, these people will be barking like dogs. They'll be flopping around like fish screaming at the top of their lungs. And like, when someone starts acting like that, they want to go find like where that batch is because they want it. And it's like, it terrified me. Yeah, but and I remember a buddy of his had his uh, Tucci company, and so a lot of the the first Tucci that we sent in there was like it was his supply, I, wherever he had it smuggled or or wherever he had it at. I remember seeing the two duffel bags of it, and I can't remember at which arrest that I was questioned about the two duffel bags, but they somehow the police knew about it. Anyways, okay, so you're you're buying you're buying this stuff, you're giving it to a girl who's going in, and she's bringing in or guy contraband whatever to the prison and they pay big bucks for that yes or they some officers you know so i'll give it to someone who will bring it to the officer which is well they can walk right in with it like they put it in there they put it in their little lunch box and walk right in that's the route that's the route yeah for sure and so yeah i i can't even tell you how many cell phones i've sent in at least i would say at least probably maybe 20 so what do you buy? You buy a cell phone for how much? Well, I've had cell, cell phones mailed to me. I've had them given to me. I've had them, I've been instructed on where to go to get them and put them in the mail or give them to this part. Like, right, what do you I get? Have, huh, what's that? What do you? Oh, get? so this is back whenever we had green dot. I had a lot of green dots. At one point I had so many green dot cards and I, and I started to collect them. See, I, I used to have a, a, a counterfeit money collection. Like when we'd run across them, we used to have the the little checker markers. And because we would go through so much money whenever he was hustling that we'd run across them here and there. You know, it wasn't someone specifically trying to use counterfeit money to buy stuff with him. It was just like small bill that had gotten or whatever. Not, not necessarily a small bill, but I have had a, a, a fake $1 bill and a fake five. Yeah. I don't know. You tell me. But I remember the guy that you had on that found a way to get past the marker checker, which that I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, Jeff Turner. Yeah, shout out to Jeff. That was that was that was incredible. So yeah, but I liked those that type of criminal. Like I wanted it to like frame it and have it. And I remember him being like, "No, that's a charge. You're not putting that on the wall." But I had my green dot card saved up, and I was gonna do some type of like I was gonna put them in. You know, you how you can buy like frames for posters to have them. You know. So I was going to have like it in a frame. Somehow I was going to organize them to have them on on display or some way to do it. You know what I mean? I just thought it was cool. (laughs) Yeah. Just tons of green dot cards. And it'd just be like, you know, a couple hundred dollars, hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, five hundred, five hundred. You know, I wasn't rich, but I wasn't hurting. 
And here's the thing about it. When I'm not having to be in the streets and worry about it being a controlled buy or is this person robbing me? Man, one time whenever I was living at that that hotel where I got raided at, I got robbed for a quarter ounce, but the, what this guy did to get the quarter ounce, it was just, it was, it was, it was terrible. You know, these are like, it was like a bad story that you hear about and thank God I didn't get hurt any worse, but this was actually a guy that I had dated and he specifically planned to come and he was going to get, I think, a, I think he asked for an eight ball and then he changed his mind to a quarter ounce or something. I think he would, I don't know, somehow he got, he ended up getting two eight balls from me, but he wanted to look at it first before he handed me the money. And it was just weird and shady as soon as I got in the truck. And he ended up at one point, this was crazy. It happened so fast. He ended up, I'm holding on to the, to the oh shit handle in the truck. And he's pulling me so hard to get me out of the truck that I was literally sideways like Superman. And he pulled my pants almost off of me, ripped them. And I had to end up walking home. He bro I broke a flip-flop and I had to walk home with my pants, holding my pants shut to my motel in the, the worst part of town or whatever. And I remember just thinking that I can't do this. This is this, I can't believe this just happened, but thank God I had, a, I still had a quarter ounce back in the um, room. So I had at least something, you know, but that was horrible that he did that. Yeah. And he actually ended up ODing. So what happened? So how long did you do the whole chain gang thing? The chain gang thing? Let's see. Okay. Also, so he wanted to start working on the appeal as well, right? So I got the the down payment for his attorney to start it. And I think he agreed to do it for like eight grand, but he took a thousand down, which was really awesome, you know? So, so we did that. I can't even, I, I don't even know the span of time. I can't even think right now because it's been so many times that we've both been in and out. Like I would go to prison whenever I went to prison. I was like, watch, he's going to get out before me. Mind you, he had 15 years. I, and I, I think I lasted, how long did I last? Okay. I went in 2000. I, I spent all of 2016 in prison basically. So I got out what in 14. So I was out a little, like about what, two and a half years. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the math, but. So why were you in that time? What, what happened that time? You find you finally get arrested. Okay. Yes. I got arrested. Okay. So let me try to think. I'm trying to think of like when, it, okay, so I had, okay, because I was out on bond and I signed for my my prison, I signed for 13 months with my lawyer while I was free. I told him I didn't want to get probation. I just want to go ahead and, and go to prison. And I remember feeling like I was being responsible for signing instead of having to wait till they got me. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take care of it. I'm just going to be done with it, take care of it, get it out of the way. And then I'm going to be okay whenever I whenever I come out, I'm going to start over. You know what I mean? And I just, it was so hard to sign my, my life away like that instead of just run, you know what I mean? But 13 months, I was like, okay, 13 months. Okay. Let's just take care of it. I remember the bondsman asking me, cause I, I wasn't making my payments. What did I do Make to your payments for what? For, for my bond. Cause oh. okay. So I, the guy, I was just riding around with some people and the, the guy that was driving was just driving reckless just for shits and giggles. And I remember being so angry at him and like, this is stupid. And we ended up getting pulled over and it, I was so down and out by this time. And we were in the squad car in the, in the back for some reason together. And I was like, dude, you better not fucking tell on me. And I remember like I had my hands in front of me and I got my stuff and I put it down my pants. I, I got this stupid charge and I stopped myself from getting a really bad one. I wasn't really hustling like that anymore. I wasn't like my life was not flowing like it used to. And, you know, my Tucci partner, 
so you know you can find it for like certain prices and then you can get it to them and they'll they'll pay you whatever and like an ounce in there is like okay it's like a hundred dollars on the streets and then whenever they're in there it's like five hundred dollars you know if they break it down then you they can make way more than that too you know what i mean if they break it down into smaller you know and just sell like joints or whatever then that's way more money than the 500 if you're just selling ounce to you ounce to you, you know what i mean so yeah the changing hustle is just like god so enticing like a smartphone is 500 dollars. yeah 500 dollars. and in, in federal prison they're four thousand right five hundred dollars smartphones five hundred dollars you mean just to deliver it yeah like a samsung kind of a, a shitty 80 buck phone the kind of thing that oh, i got yeah. when i got to the halfway house yeah yeah you went to jail <laughs> you went to jail you got out of jail okay yes i got out of jail on bond the guy who bonded steven out whenever he they forgot to put the hold on him and he escaped again after our first escape the guy that bonded him out he's the one that bonded me out so that was cool of him and i bonded him out too but yeah it's, it's good to have someone that you can turn to and you know that's gonna make sure that you can get out or whatever but i knew my time was coming to an end you know it's like this is it this is the end of the road i'm out on bond i have a case now and i'm not gonna last long because i'm not doing good you know what i mean like my hustle fell apart everyone's in, getting indicted all this time and conspiracy and like they're using their phones to charge them with conspiracy and like are you serious like text messages and stuff and like here's how petty they were being so a girl that i used to work under and get an ounce at a time and that i wired her money to her plug in like tennessee or whatever like with like clear as day oh 500 oh 700 oh this much like it's it's, it's a paper trail and i did not get indicted and she got, there's a girl that got indicted for, she fronted her an eight ball, fronted her an eight ball and she got a conspiracy charge. And I'm like, I'm doing all of this and this girl is in trouble and I'm not, man, I was so stressed out. I'm telling you, I was having heart palpitations. When you got out of jail, what'd you do? You would, did you get halfway house? I was, I was just staying with a friend and uh, I remember whenever I just decided that, okay, I don't want to be here too long because I don't want to wear out my welcome. I'm going to go stay with this friend that, you know, I would always be there and be around. And actually this is a guy that I, I bought a vehicle from basically half of it. I paid for in meth and half of it I paid for in cash. And I ended up getting a really good deal because of, like I said, it's like currency. People respect you and you get used to it and, and you have what they want. So they're going to be real nice to you. And I don't know, it's just, my name is so distinctive. And I remember whenever I first started getting into it, I was like, okay, I need an alias. You know, like my name is too distinctive and it, I tried to have it create an alias of Susie Q. It just popped, like popped into my head when someone asked my name one night. And I remember looking at him and thinking, this motherfucker will tell on anyone. Like I just, as soon as I looked at him, I was like, Ooh, he just gave me a bad feeling. And I was like, Susie Q. <laughs> and I tried to tell people Susie Q and I, I couldn't get it to stick, but yeah, eventually by this time, whenever it was like all the stress and everything people were getting uh, questioned about me and I was being told about it regularly. I was in a uh, couple different discoveries. I was hearing my name and I was just, I was, whew, I was getting paranoid. I was hearing, I had a friend, one of my friends was like, used to be a jump out boy and told me through the grapevine that I'm being investigated. And, and then I was told that they're just, they just want to make sure that I'm not selling heroin, which I wasn't. But by that time I was hooked on it. 
but I was riding with someone to go get his heroin and their, their heroin dealer was also my ice dealer. So I would get my personal supply of heroin and my, you know, my wholesale of ice or whatever. I mean, what, at what point did you stop? Eventually I stopped whenever I went to prison, whenever I, whenever, okay. So uh, a friend of mine, so crazy. She dated an investigator. He was actually a nice guy and he let her know whenever they were going to come and do a sweep and pick up everyone with warrants and what day for me not to be out and about and not to to use my phone. Yeah. No, he didn't say not to use my phone. He said not to be out and about, like don't okay. be doing stuff, lay low basically. And like, so that's why I changed locations because I was going to try and be elsewhere. Right. But I thought that was really nice of him to, because at one point she was coming to get me like every few days, whenever I had I, another time, I'd just gotten out of jail and my, my parents, they let me stay at their house for one night and I had to find somewhere else to go. And I moved in with this, oh God, this horrible, nasty trailer. And it was, there was no running water at one point. And then when I finally paid all the old racked up bill back, the power went out and then I had to pay up all the old racked up power. Man, it was hard. And like I said, you lose your clientele, you, you're down, you're down and out. And I remember, what's his name? Steel Boys, Jerry Steele. That's like, that's the one where I was telling you about everyone goes to him. I remember him saying, now what's going on with you? Like, he just was really inquisitive. Like, I, like you used to, you know, you used to have it going on. Like what's, what's going on? Why can't you make this small little payment with, what's the problem? And I said, I just cried. And I was like, all oh, these people are getting indicted and I'm, I'm really sweating about it. Like, these people are getting a lot of time and I'm so guilty. You know what I mean? Like, and I cannot, I can't hustle anymore. I'm, I mean, the damage is probably already done, but I can't keep doing it. I'm, I'm too scared and I have no other income. And, you know, I have all this drug habit that I acquired and it was all fine when I had plenty of money and plenty of drugs, but when it's out, it's like, man, shit really, shit turns real. When did the, and, I mean, they, eventually they pick you up, right? And you go yeah, to jail. So, so they came and got me. Oh man, they came and got me. They're like a SWAT team. They came like into the house of the dude. I felt so bad too, because his son was home. His little young, like, like five or six year old son. It was, I felt so bad. I would never try to bring any type of that type of situation around a child. And, but yeah, I had no idea they were going to come get me. I have no fucking, like, I did, just did not, I was shocked, but yeah, I was like, finally, when they did come get me, I was like, I already signed my, for my time and I was just going to go do my time and it was over, you know? And I was like relieved and just, it, it was a lot. It was crazy. Yeah. How much time did you do? I ended up doing 11 and a half months. I got 13 months and I did 11 and a half. And Where, where'd you do that? I did that in, let's see, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's a reception center, Lowell. Lowell, did, yeah. did you get halfway house? No, no, they didn't have any type of a, well, you could, there is a halfway house that you could like sign up for and go into or whatever, like faith-based type stuff, which I probably should have done. Honestly, looking back, I really didn't have a plan set out for myself. I wish I would have had, I just was, I was, I didn't have the, the maturity at that time or the, the guidance to help me to make sure I had a plan set in action or whatever. But I figured it out whenever I got out, you know, I still was like, you know, just partying or like still unhealthy in relationships, but I was definitely not going to hustle anymore. Like that was Where'd out of the go. Question. What's that? Where did you go? Oh, back to Panama City. Yeah, back now, to Panama did you, City. You, did you live on the street? You live with your mom, your sister left um, you move in with her? 
Well, I had a couple boyfriends. I, I had one boyfriend for a couple months, which was like a childhood friend that, and you know, that was bad. It was, it was a love triangle. It was, it was bad. But the next guy that I got with, it was, it was, it was bad. It was even worse. And I ended up running. I got on a, I got on a bus and I moved to Alabama. And I remember being at my parents' house after I ran, I, I physically ran from this guy. The last thing he ever said to me, he said, I'll beat you to death. I'll take you to the woods and I'll beat you to death. And I'm like, this is it. I'm not, he's going to kill me if I stay and I have to get out of this. This is no way to live, you know? And, and it's just such suppression and control. And it's like, how have I got allowed it to get this way? And so finally I, I got away and I, and I got out and man, so many good things happened for me whenever I moved to Alabama and it's exactly what I needed. I needed to move away where I knew no one and to start over completely from scratch. And it was rough, but I learned a lot. You know, I was able to, you know, start a company and figure out how to do things on my own time, you know, and, you know, play by my own rules, which it took a long time to get there. You know, I started working under a business owner that was a housekeeper housekeeping is what I got, in, I got into, but, you know, working under them and then paying you your little, you know, your little bit. And then eventually, you know, you just stay and you keep at it. And eventually you have your own, you're a contractor, you have your own company and you're running a business and you're making you know, a good bit more. And it's, and it's really rewarding. You learn a lot, you know? And so I learned how to hustle legally, basically, you know, but I was like, literally like hustling. It's very physically demanding and it's a good though. It's a good little hustle though. You know, I just, I, I got to figure out something that's not so physically taxing plan. You know, I gotta underneath you. Uh, yeah. See, here's the thing. I've, I've kind of given up on trying to do that. I had, I have gotten an LLC with the plans of having a crew because I feel like I'm a good boss because I, I know what I want my boss. I would want my boss to act like, right. Take care of my girls, feed them, pick them up if they need to, whatever. Don't micromanage, don't be roots, all that good stuff. But I had like five or six no call, no shows on my busiest day. And I'm like, literally like crying because I'm trying to get it done. And I'm, uh, everything's just screwed because they don't even call or show five or six times. These girls did this and keep in mind, these are women that I worked with at Dollar Tree. So I, I, I applied for jobs everywhere. Oh my God. Walking. I had no vehicle. I halfway applied for house. Any, what's that? You go to the halfway house. You get people out of the halfway house. house. What? What? No, this is my mom. I went to go live with my mom. My, this, no, this is where no, my mom I, lives. No, I'm telling you, uh -huh. you can get people in the halfway house to work for you. They have to show up. You pick them. You can, you can pick them up and drop mm -hmm. them off. They have to come. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because so, cool. you tell them because and, and they're they're beholden that, to oh my god yes right that's what so i'm gonna trust do. me every if Work it, you release. know one oh. they're gonna be there you show up yeah. you beep the horn they're gonna get in the car they're going to prison if they don't go yeah right oh hell yes right. oh my god thank you i yes. mean jess worked as a as a housekeeper mm -hmm. okay uh, so well, listen no, at, think... she worked at a, at a at a hotel i mean she worked at a hotel cleaning mm -hmm. rooms right yeah basically and, the same thing yeah and she, so, I mean, I know a bunch of people that had Matt, these. That's what I'm going to do. Listen. Okay. So a lady at the cosmetology school that I was at, she had the idea of, cause I was telling her, yeah, I ended up getting my own LLC finally. Cause I was basically doing my own business, but I was doing it under this girl's paperwork. So I still wasn't able to control all the money completely the way that I really felt that I needed the freedom to right? the next season that I had done that. Anyway. So I finally got all the paperwork and everything you know, lined up, which is hard to do all that while you're going, you know, 
you, well, I don't think I was going to school yet, but while you're working, you're busting, you're, you're just killing yourself. And it's hard to get all that stuff lined up when you're already making it. It's a lot. It's so a, there are federal halfway houses and there are state halfway houses. Mm -hmm. They're both basically the same. If I was yeah. you, I'd go to the federal halfway houses. The criminals are okay. better. They're looking yeah. at more time. They're more strict. They're mm -hmm. going to be there. That's a good idea. That's a, that's a dang good idea. Yeah. Typically, yeah, because... typically the people that run them is in this area. It's in most areas. I think it's, it's a lot of times there are shit. Is it a, a goodwill? Like in, in, in Tampa, it's goodwill. I don't know what they are there, but it shouldn't take more than two or three phone calls. You could call, you, know proba what? you could call probation. You could call pro federal probation and tell mm -hmm. them what you do and what, what are that, what halfway houses are in the area. I don't know if we have any here, Matt. We might, the, the closest one might be in Tallahassee. I'm in Panama what? City. I don't know if we have any federal halfway houses here. Are you there might be me? the closest ones in like the next town. You know what I'm saying? I've come to think of that because I would know if there were federal houses or halfway houses well, around here. state halfway houses. Yeah. Yeah. And like rehabs and stuff to where they're court ordered to that rehab or whatever and can work. Yeah. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to take that route. That's a, such right. a good, and nobody wants to deal with them. So if you're willing yeah. to deal with them, yes, because they're convicted felon, they have to show up. That'll be good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. That's exciting. You know, it's been such a struggle and I was in uh, cosmetology school and I was, you know, my grades were slipping and I ended up getting a month of leave. My mother, she, she's passed away now, but you know, she was sick. It was real stressful and my grades were, were bad and I was, I was very overwhelmed and stressed out. And I remember my new year's resolution was, okay, if I get my time management under control, my anxiety will alleviate. If I'm not worried about the homework I put off, I won't be stressed out. Right. If I make sure I have plenty of time to get to class, I'm not going to be overwhelmed by the time I'm there and like dropping stuff, showing up late, the teacher shaking her head, you know, like, so I made sure I started showing up early to class. I started having all my homework done before it was due. And, you know, one thing led to another and I got voted by the, not voted, but whatever, nominated or whatever. The lady made me most improved for the student article or whatever. The, right. That felt really good to do that. Yeah. So it was like almost failing on the verge of dropping out to that. So that was really cool. But yeah, my mother passed away and I ended up moving here. Do you feel like there's anything we didn't go over or... No, I think, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, yeah, we're good. I think we're good. Okay. All right. Well, Hey, listen, I, I, I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate you coming on the, doing the second one mm -hmm. and I appreciate it. Do you want, you want, what's, what's your Instagram? I'm trying to think if, it, if it's my name. I can't remember if it's Danica.darley.nine. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, we'll put it, you know, I'll, I'll get the link and we'll put it in the Colby will put it in the description box. Okay. Thank you so All much. Right. All right. I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you guys watching. And if you like the video, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. So you get notified of videos just like this. Also leave me a comment in the comment section. We're going to leave Danica's Instagram link in the description. And I really do appreciate you guys. Also, I have Patreon. If you want to help support the channel. Please donate to my Patreon. It's 10 bucks a month. Come on, that's nothing. Anyway, I really appreciate you guys, and thank you very much. And if you want to get in touch with me and you want to be uh, on the show, my we have, a, we have a link in the description where you can fill out an application, and it comes to me, and then I'll contact you, and we'll see if we can get you on the show. So by all means, fill it out. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. See you.